good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 84 of the Genesis Gems podcast, where we'll be covering a game that I may not say the pronunciation right. I know, Aaron, you gave a little uh, uh, way to do this on the chat, but is it Chakon? Chakon? Chaka Chaka Chaka? Shakon. Shakon. I like it. <laughs> yes. Which but actually sh- once got a truck from a motor company called Shakon. <laughs> Shakon. But, but it, yeah, Shakon, according to when I went to the. Uh, Robert Cross, the creator of Shakon, and you go to his website, a video automatically starts downloading that has some voice narration. And sure enough, the narrator, if it's not him himself, whoever's narrating says Shakon. Shakon, I like it. <laughs> but guys, this is Nick Stevens, and with me, as always, is... Hey, hey, Ron. Hey, hey, Ron. <laughs> and we have a special guest, returning special guest tonight. Who do we got with us? Uh, it's Captain Logan from Deep Pollution. Captain Logan. Yeah. So excited. I wanted him on, on this uh, episode especially because I, you know, we're covering a comic book game and I thought this was going to be a unique treat. So I wanted a special guest on. Thanks for the invite. You stumped me with this one, though. <laughs> <laughs> I he, goes, the, he goes, you're yeah, the closest I, thing we've got to a comics expert. You got to come in for Shake Hunt. And I was like, what is Shake Hunt? What? <laughs> Well, the well it turns that, yeah, it turns out that when the game came out, no one had really heard of Shaycon. We'll talk about that more, but yeah. no, it's real there's obscure. a whole yeah, the whole thing. It's like it's like if uh, someone decided to make a game out of I don't know, just some some kid off the street, you know, or a kid who who only like had his uh, you know he, he was drawing comics or something, but he was only showing them at conventions that's literally what happened here <laughs> i know we'll, we'll get into that for sure the, the background of how this game was made and the comic is just kind of intriguing it's almost, it's almost as interesting as the game was just kind of deep diving into that and i was a little disappointed too aaron because when we covered x mutants i was able to grab you know one of the actual comic books for pretty cheap and i went online <laughs> trying to find you know one of these comic books to buy and i was not yeah. paying that price <laughs> but malibu comics had a, a bigger reach than Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's imprint because he literally only sold it at conventions yeah. and by mail order. Like if you look at the manual, you go into the, this game's manual. You honestly, at at the time when this game was released, was like, oh, if you want copies of the comic, <laughs> you literally mailed something to the author to get a copy. Which is just crazy, yeah, pretty awesome. It's just weird because they made a Genesis and a Game Gear game, and you would have thought it'd been a little bit more less obscure but here we are but guys we'll get into that in just a little bit um definitely want you all to make sure you connect with our podcast we are part of the bit brothers network and we have been recording again it's been a while since all of us got together you know we had crazy year last year i had a new project that just got finished uh, back in february uh michael had a baby so it was just a little bit dry for us but now we're kind of back in a better swing hopefully we'll be a little bit more consistent, but please check us out on Patreon. We're uh, starting to do a lot more there, patreon.com slash bitbros. Uh, we've been giving away uh, games every week on our Facebook page. You can check it out at facebook.com slash group slash bitbrothers. Real cool thing. We had some big plans with some of our ad advertising money this year, possibly doing some cons and things, but kind of fell through with the whole COVID thing. So uh, we just decided, hey, you know, let's give away a game every Friday just to kind of, you know, bless the community again. There's, there's folks out there who may not be able to be working and, and don't have the kind of money to spend on games. So we want to make sure we get back to you guys. So go check that out. We're going to continue doing some things like that. So make sure you join that group at facebook.com slash group slash bitbrothers. 
Uh, check out the Genesis Gems website at genesisgemspodcast.com. Uh, Aaron and I were going to be doing a special show soon, maybe about 15 or 20 minutes long, where we do, yeah. do the ranking. We got really behind on the rankings, so we don't even know where things are ranked right now. So uh, it'll probably be a video podcast where we pull up a spreadsheet and kind of uh, rearrange things as we go. I think we're about, what, three or four games behind on our ranking sheet right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not too bad, but we need to slot those yeah. bad boys in. Yeah, so we won't be ranking this game at the end of it. Um, well, we'll give it the, you know, Jim good or garbage, but we won't be giving it the uh, one through 84 ranking. And uh, I'm excited to see where Shaq Fu lands. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I love Shaq Fu. <laughs> I actually played the newer version a couple of days ago. I have it on my Switch, and it was just kind of there when I was bored and popped it in again. But uh, <laughs> And guys, our email is getting a little dry. I haven't got an email in a while. Make sure you send us an email. Show us some love at GenesisGemsPodcast at gmail.com. I uh, love getting email. Love reading, reading it on the show. So please go check that out. And uh, we're on Twitter at Gen Gems. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, all the ways you all have been listening to us. Keep doing. We're still out there. And I, as of about three or four weeks ago, our Spotify account is finally up to date. I uh, had a little issue with that where Spotify, we were using Spotify through Podomatic. And when we switched over to Anchor, something got messed up. About four or five episodes were never loaded on Spotify. That has all been taken care of. Uh, thanks to the good folks of Anchor. You probably heard the advertisement before the show started from Anchor. Uh, appreciate that uh, service. And guys... With that, I have no listener business. I haven't heard from any of the listeners uh, since our last show, so keep shooting those emails in there. But anyways, we will flow right into our next segment, and that would be the Sega Snippets. Test one, two. Sega. Now it's time for Sega Snippets. So, Sega Snippets. Um... I haven't really been playing anything Sega other than uh, Shacon, other than, and I, I know Aaron will be probably having a full show dedicated on this with the other guys from Bit Brothers, uh, Streets of Rage 4. And guys, I, yeah. I'm pretty blown away by this game. I don't want to go into too much detail because I could probably take up the entire show and I don't want to do that to you guys. But if you are a fan of Streets of Rage at all, this is a true sequel. Uh, it's got some art style that some folks weren't too excited about, but I promise you it works. Uh, the... It's the Streets of Rage gameplay. It's a little faster. They've added just enough to make you think, oh, this is a sequel. There's extra combos. You can juggle a little bit. Uh, the new characters are so-so, but you got some surprises from some old characters. Uh, Axel still plays like Axel with a little bit more, uh, just a little bit more character to him. It's just a great game. I'm having a blast with Streets of Rage 4. Uh, I've almost beaten it single player, and my two sons and I have been playing three player uh, simultaneously. Simultaneously, I can't say the word. And it's such a blast. Uh, you can turn kind of friendly fire on and off, if you know what I mean, <laughs> so you don't hurt each other. Especially with three people on the screen, it's crazy. Because I was playing that with my five, the, uh, two with my five year old a couple weeks ago, and that drove him crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's we, crazy that back in the eighties and nineties, they would always be like game mode A, game mode yeah. B, and you wouldn't know which one it was unless you looked at the manual. It's like. Why couldn't they just put Until you the just, words yeah. friendly fire back then? Until you just <laughs> pop it in and figure it out. I think my first exposure yeah. to that was probably Double Dragon on the on the Nintendo. But remember Double Dragon Two, where you could uh, you could kill the other player and gain an extra life. Yeah. <laughs> of the best use of that. <laughs> Which Double Dragon was it? When you got to the end, you had to fight each other. That was kind of sweet. Uh, that was well. That was one. If you played it on anything that wasn't the NES. That's right. Like the Master System. Yeah. And also, I think Streets of Rage 1, the bad ending, uh, for some reason, I remember 
Yeah, no, you know what? I'm trying to remember. In Streets of Rage 1, you could get a bad ending, and basically you sat on the throne. <laughs> That's awesome. If you decided to do that, yeah. Yep. Anyways, guys, it's definitely, everyone's wondering if it's worth the 20 bucks or whatever it was. I think I spent 20 bucks for it. It is worth it. I bought it on the PS4 because I have a physical copy coming for it from the Switch through limited uh, run games, but of course they always run a little bit behind, so I had to play it right away, so I'm going to have two copies of this thing before it's all said and done, but uh, huge Streets of Rage fan, if you guys heard the Streets of Rage 2 podcast, that's probably my favorite Genesis game of all time, so it was just kind of a nice surprise, because I kind of forgot about it coming out, and last, that was the last week when it came out, I saw it, and I downloaded it, and I literally spent my entire uh, work lunch because i'm working from home right now playing that game i almost was late coming back to a conference call because <laughs> it was <laughs> it was so much fun but uh go check that out um but other than that guys i've been playing a lot of animal crossing which i talked about in the last uh patreon show i won't bore you all with those details because it's it's a interesting weird game that shouldn't make shouldn't be fun but it is and uh also trying to finish borderlands 3 those are kind of the games that i'm playing right now but uh how about you guys what are you all been gaming on other than shake on uh, for me, also, Streets of Rage 4, just just bought that, and I got to play it with a old, old buddy of mine who used to do the Retro Obscura podcast with me, uh, Adam oh, Canelli. He was, awesome. He was on uh, Kid Chameleon yeah, yeah, episode of Genesis Gems a long time ago. But yeah, we played Streets of Rage 4, and that was my first time playing it, and it was, it was great. Got to play it co-op with him. It was really cool that you could switch characters. After each stage, and you guys playing on started, the Switch or PS4? Yeah, on Switch, Switch, and we were unlocking different characters, and uh, just a really impressive sequel, and just definitely lives up to the Streets of Rage name. Yeah. We're gonna have to stream that sometime. That'd be fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, but that's about it. I, I haven't really been playing too much else. Other than the game we're covering here, <laughs> and you know a few, few other things, when I get time, that's about it. <laughs> cool, man. How about you, Captain? What have you been playing, man? I've actually been playing quite a bit lately, and I'm not obviously anything like as big of a gamer as you guys, but uh, I've been doing uh, tons of video game stuff lately. I've been streaming a lot more on my channel on YouTube uh, lately with the. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, with COVID and stuff, uh, I've been putting out a lot more content. You know, like a lot of people have been knowing that a lot of folks are home with not a lot to do. And uh, I, I don't really have a lot of extra time because I already work from home. But I've <laughs> tried to kind of uh, carve some out to put more stuff out for folks. I've been doing a lot more live shows. And so I did something that was kind of on my bucket list that I've been wanting to do for years. I never finally sat down and did it. I finally beat Sonic 3 and Knuckles together. Nice. And on a stream in front of an audience, it was really cool. <laughs> Which, guys, we will put uh, Captain's uh, YouTube link in here. I keep wanting to call you Cap, but that's just because I'm a huge Captain America fan. Like, oh, Cap. <laughs> that's actually what most of my friends call okay, me. Okay, good. But, uh, I thought so. I remember watching but you can call me Cap. You can call me Jay. I go by all kinds of things. I got to tell you something funny. I meant to tell you this in yeah. the chat earlier uh, about a week ago. My, my kids are always playing on YouTube, and they, they typed in Genesis Gems because there's a few videos out there where I played with my kids and posted them on the uh Genesis Gems YouTube page. Did they find our interview? They did. They did. They're like, who's this guy, Daddy? I was like, oh, man, it's Captain Lane. <laughs> that, that was so cool. That was just that was neat. Well, it was that same video where, like, my, my, my video started shorting out real bad, and I had to go back to turn the video off. <laughs> it was really cool. Uh, I, was just, I sat there and listened to it, and kind of it was kind of nice to reminisce on that old inter- uh, you know, that old show we did. It was really cool. I can't wait how long that's been now. I know. 
But yeah, you guys were so cool to come on and do that. I'd been listening to your podcast for a long time, and I was like, I got to see if these guys will talk to me. They seem really cool. <laughs> and uh, we've been talking back and forth ever since then. Yeah, Just yeah. occasionally, we we will do a show together, and uh, I keep, especially Aaron and I talk quite a bit. Oh yeah, it's always good to always good to catch up with you, buddy. Yeah, cool man. Uh, but yeah, quite a bit of uh, other Sega stuff since I last talked to you guys. I'll go through this real fast, but uh, I, I've already told you guys about this, but I bought a Virtual Fighter 1 machine. Nice. So cool. <laughs> and it doesn't work right now. I'm trying to get the right uh, the right power adapter for it. Uh, apparently, there's only one that works for that machine. Uh, I hired a guy to help me out with it because I don't know a lot about arcade machines. And he thought a standard one would work, but it turned out that it didn't. And Sega had real specific ones for different machines. Apparently, the one for the Virtual Fighter 1 machine only works on that and like some like photo booth machine that they had. <laughs> Oh, weird. Those are the two things that it works for, and we're killing ourselves trying to find one right now. I had one ordered, and then unceremoniously, the place I bought it from just refunded me my money, so I guess they didn't have one. That's crazy. So I'm still waiting to get that, so that kind of sucks. Uh, I finally bought a copy of Virtua Fighter Kids on the Sega Saturn, which almost completes my Virtua Fighter disc collection. Uh, I think I'm still, for whatever reason, missing three on the uh, Dreamcast, so I got to get that at some point. But I finally have a copy of Virtual Fighter Kids. Nice. I think the other, other than like kind of the first two, I played a lot of Virtual Fighter Five. I think I was on. Was that PS3 or two? I was one it's of the. On, it's on PS3 and it's on uh, 360, and uh, you can play it on PS Now yeah. and uh, stuff like that now too. So you can yeah. stream it. And yeah, Five is excellent. Man. Good. It's it's such a it's such a and deep, it's. And it's in one of the Yakuza is games. Is it in right? Yakuza Zero? I think yeah, so. it's in at least. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I really if it's like in Zero or if it's in Six, but it's in one of them. I like those fighting games that have that kind of progression element to it, where you can. Because I always remember you got your Dan ratings and all that crap on there. But I like fighting games like that, where it's not just a story mode. You actually have something to kind of play around on after you beat the story mode or whatever. So not, yeah, I've got to spend more time with it. I've mostly just done arcade stuff and you know played with my son, but. Uh, I need to spend more time with that. And four was deeper than they had been too. I don't think four gets enough love. Yeah. Well, and I think four kind of introduced who was it, Brad? I think it was. He was. He's yes. got. He's got like my favorite uh, virtual fighter fighter now. So. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and speaking of that, I also discovered. I think I told Aaron about this uh, not too long ago. The Virtua Fighter 10th anniversary game, which was uh, released on uh, on its own in Japan, but we didn't get it except on Virtua Fighter 4 in the disc, like, really buried. You'd never know about it unless you looked it up. You'd think it would have been advertised on the box somewhere, but it wasn't. So I had this game in my possession for 15 years and had no idea. And I was I was looking into Virtua Fighter stuff one day, and I found out about this. And basically what it is is a remake of Virtua Fighter 1 with all of the new characters that are in Virtua Fighter 4, including Brad, and all of their movesets. Oh, cool. And it's got all the uh, all the old music and backgrounds and stuff. And it's a trip. It's really cool. Yeah, it makes me want to go play it again. It's been a while since I played those uh, four or five. Cool. And then the other thing I wanted to mention to you guys real quick, because I think uh, you'll get a kick out of it, is have either of you guys ever played with Mugen? With Mugen? 
You know what? I, there were there were so many times where I was about to download it and go check it out. Uh, but I more often than not, I you know be on YouTube and I'll see some crazy fighting games. And there, it's kind of like where people will make a bunch of like RPG games with RPG Maker. But this is kind of a a two D fighting game maker, and people have made all sorts of crazy, yeah, okay, awesome games, yeah. Yeah, it's the only coding I've ever done. I'm not into that stuff, and I don't know anything about it. And it's simple enough. I was able to figure out it, figure it out. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I spent a couple of weeks uh, building this uh, 2D fighter for my son for his birthday, which just blew him away when I gave this to him on his birthday. And uh, <laughs> I, I filmed it and put it on the channel, so you can actually go and look at that and see his reaction and see the, the thing I built. But uh, I mention it because I built it on a screen pack based on Fighters Megamix from the Saturn. And it's like a perfect recreation of the uh, 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 select screen and everything from Megamix. And it's really cool. And I used uh, Megamix specifically because it gave me a giant character roster. And I thought if I was going to do a really silly, unbalanced thing where I could put in like every character from everything I could think of, Megamix <laughs> was the way to go because that is the least balanced fighting game you'll ever play. And I wish I could have put in Hornet, the car, but nobody had made one. <laughs> so that's unfortunate. But I got some other characters from that game and some of the sonic the fighters characters and uh, some of their stages and stuff uh in in more of you know a, two, a 2d style but i think i got like 250 characters in it wow and it's it's real fun and i got uh i got the mask the mask is awesome in that <laughs> somebody made a is it, is, good mask it makes me wonder if uh because mask on the snes has some really impressive animations i wonder if they took i think they based it on that sprite yeah because if you play that game, I mean, of course, this is a Sega Genesis podcast, <laughs> but if you play the mask on the SNES, first off, it runs really, really fast. And they programmed an incredible amount of different animations and moves for Jim Carrey's character to do in that game. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, that must be what it is, because it's wild the sheer number of outfits and things that you can like morph into. Uh, when you use that fighting game character, yeah, I, I, I kind of googled that and just looking at some of uh, what some folks are doing. I've, I've seen like wrestling characters remade and some real sweet looking. Yeah. I mean, and some of the I put a wrestling character in mind. You won't believe who I use, Neg. Oh, no, and no. I don't know wrestling that well, but this is the character that stuck with me from when I was a kid. I got Doink the Clown. Oh, in there. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a classic. He was and he was played by multiple people. They never had the same exactly. He didn't yeah. The fight I saw live when I was a kid was maybe I've told you guys this before, but was Doink the Clown versus Doink the Clown. Oh, that's great. <laughs> See, that was the heyday for me, probably. All the uh, 90s were my was, favorite. Yeah. yeah. And and so I know you could play as him in, I think it was Raw, WWF Raw. Yeah. Yep. That must be the sprite. On the 16-bit. His finishing yeah, move was the uh, whoopee cushion. He used to jump off the top rope and just kind of you know, hit you with his butt. <laughs> I think we can go on to the next segment. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do some uh, Ask Aaron right now. All right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Hick. Is a dude who knows a lot about Sega games. Ask him questions, it's okay. And he will answer them if he wants. So it's been a little while since we did an Ask Aaron. So if you guys, again, all the folks out there, um, I always like to mention this because we did transition from the Genesis Gems Facebook group to the Bit Brothers. 
So make sure you go to facebook.com slash groups slash bitbrothers, and we'll post a picture of Aaron whenever we do this segment, and you can ask him a question. And we got some good ones this time, Aaron. So the first one, right. and, and the picture is awesome. You got a sweet uh, sweatband going on, like a little do-rag and a pair of sunglasses, it looks like. You're really jamming. A little black and white photo. Pretty sweet. <laughs> I always like to explain or the was picture. It sepia? It was, it was sepia, yeah, I sorry. think, uh, yeah, yeah that's right. I think Nick DeMarco <laughs> pointed that out. He did. <laughs> so the first question comes in from Tyler Jones, and he posts a gif of the movie Step Brothers, where it just says, why are you so sweaty? <laughs> uh you know i don't know when i perform live <laughs> sometimes i just i like wearing headbands it just uh it kind of evokes 80s action movies and you know i love things like contra and double dragon and they were all about the <laughs> that's right the conveniently colored headbands to <laughs> differentiate <laughs> from player one and player two. So whenever I play with my, my drummer, uh, yeah, we will have different colored headbands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to wear a sweatband like by my, uh, kind of on my forearm, which now that I play at church, I really don't do that much, but I get this little spot on my guitar, like right, right around my forearm where I kind of rest my right arm on the guitar, my, oh, my yeah. picking arm. And like, it'll, if I don't clean that every time after I play, I literally will have like this residue where I have to let scrape it off my guitar. So I'm with <laughs> you, man. I, I try. It, it doesn't look real great wearing like a nice dress, you know, dressy shirt and with a you know, sweatband on. So can't always pull that off. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Next question comes from Daniel Walker. I feel like this question's probably been asked in a certain way in the in the past, but it's always good to talk about this again. Um, why weren't there more JRPGs on the Genesis? Was Nintendo strong-arming companies like Square, Enix, and Atlas for Super Nintendo exclusively? Was the hardware not set up uh, for these companies' standards? Ooh, good question. I think part of it was Nintendo had an exclusivity clause or a timed exclusivity clause with a lot of developers back then, uh, and they had a great working relationship with Enix and with Square, who... You know, they'd gotten their start making games on Japanese computer systems. They moved on over to the NES and they were making, you know, in the Famicom making, especially in Japan, making money hand over fist. And so maybe they met with Sega, but <laughs> there's no evidence that they were uh, wowed enough to come over and start making games. So, yeah, with Sega, it was the smaller developers like your Wolf Team and your Traco. Yeah. Um, besides Sega and what EA, uh, there really just there weren't a lot of uh, RPG makers, and the way the Sega Genesis was advertised too, it was advertised to be a sexier, sleeker system than the Super Nintendo or the NES, and so I almost feel like there was this onus on developers that <laughs> maybe you should focus on the faster paced, higher <laughs> octane games. Yeah. Uh, that's why there's a lot more comic book games. There's a lot more action based, uh, faster paced games like Sonic the Hedgehog uh, in Japan. There are quite a few more RPGs, but you know, the RPG heyday, to be honest, didn't come until probably the 32 bit era with Final Fantasy seven. Yeah. Cool. Hope that hope that answers your question. That's good. I think it's definitely 
something a question I think everyone's ever had if they studied Super Nintendo and Sega. There's definitely some good JRPGs out there, but they're not you know they're not your Chrono Trigger and your Final Fantasies. But anyways, oh yeah, yeah, Fantasy Star two and four yeah. are probably the closest things besides maybe Shining Force one and two, which fall into their own category. Yeah, because you you didn't really have a lot of really good. Uh, kind of more turn-based strategy rpgs like shining force right. i think that kind of is where genesis took the took the crown yeah not unless you went to japan where they had fire emblem yeah so exactly was, yeah sweet uh richard smith asks uh why is aaron wearing his coronavirus mask wrong he'll get sick <laughs> but he says uh <laughs> seriously though what is your favorite revive retro franchise oh Currently, it's Streets of Rage 4. <laughs> Before that, I probably would have said Toe Jam and Earl. Before that, I probably would have said Sonic Mania. So, I mean... It's been pretty good past four or five years, hasn't Sega, it? Sega nostalgia lately. I haven't, really, great. I haven't really thought about that until you, you kind of listed those <laughs> down like that. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> three, yeah, of the, three of the top Sega Genesis kind of franchises kind of made some good revivals the past few years. Awesome. Yeah. And you got like what? Uh, there was a new Monster Boy game or yeah. a new... Uh, yeah, there's a new Monster Boy game. Uh, there's been a new Double Dragon. I I haven't played that new Double Dragon game. That, it's, a, it's okay. Uh, Double Dragon Four. It, I heard okay. it wasn't wasn't the best. Yeah, it's 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 playable. Yeah, but I would say it's a toss up for me between Streets of Rage Four and the new Toe Jam. Like, those are top of the heap. That's awesome. Is anybody surprised we haven't gotten a Sonic Mania two announcement yet? I'm waiting for that. You know what I would love for that? I would love for them to take the concepts from Sonic Mania 1 and make a brand new game. Completely new, 100%. No retro levels. Yeah, because those were wonderful, but we don't need to stay in the past, man. It's time to move forward and do something brand new. Yeah, have the same engine. The engine was great. They really elevated a lot of those old levels and had some really cool new concepts. I completely agree with you. They should... Uh, if they're not working on one, they should be, and yeah, it should be a brand new game. Was it as popular as it felt like it was? Yeah, yeah. It seems yeah, like everybody so. played it. I hear about it all the time. And there was a 3D Sonic game that came out that year that wasn't great. That people, <laughs> I don't hear nearly as much people talk about. Sonic so Force, yeah. They should yeah, really be running that. with that. I yeah, don't I understand agree. if they're not. And maybe they're they're developing it, and they just don't want to say anything until they've got more to show. But like, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I I really hope uh, Sega contracts the same developer, Headcanon, Christian Whitehead. Christian Whitehead. They, yep. Yeah. Hope they contract with those guys. And and I think Whitehead proved with that yeah. that he can run on his own and doesn't have to rely on the retro courses. Like I don't think they're going to sell less because it doesn't have Green Hill Zone. No, not not every Sonic game has to have Green Hill Zone. <laughs> Just as an example, although I will say, if we have to do retro courses again, can I please have a Marble Zone? That's all yeah. I would want if we had if we had to do retro courses is Marble Zone. Yeah, I I agree with you. I uh I like the color palette in that one. Is that Marble Hill? Um, yeah, Marble Hill, right? Marble Hill Zone, something like that. No, no, no Mar- Marble Zone, the second course. Wasn't like the Altered one, Altered Beast uh, kind of. Yeah, I just love it because it's my it's my favorite music in the Sonic franchise. Yeah. Well, even in Sonic Mania, the uh, oh, I'm gonna bomb it, but the uh, stage that kind of was like the 
TV land. Uh, that was yeah. a really cool original idea that Studiopolis. I, yeah, yeah. Studiopolis, exactly. Yeah. It actually stuck with me very much. Um, and the newspaper one was really cool. Yeah, that was sweet. So like it, they they were able to design levels that I remembered. I mean, and and it, it's much harder to remember that kind of stuff when you're not a kid anymore and you're not playing the game over and over again. Because so I beat the game twice, but then I didn't revisit it again for a while. And I remember those stages. So I'm I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they need to keep revisiting. I mean, it's always kind of nice to see that nostalgia, but I'm like, you don't have to don't have to rely on that. You, sure, but it's nostalgic anyway, even without exactly, that, because it's exactly. such a blend of so many different things. So, like, if Whitehead makes a brand new stage, it's going to be, it's going to have Sonic 2 influences, it's going to have possibly Knuckles Chaotix influences, it's going to have, he's obsessed with Sonic CD. Yeah. It's already going to have enough nostalgia. Well, and, and the, the fact that one of the boss battles just turned into, you know, playing Dr. Robotnik's Mean B Machine, which is just like, oh, this is amazing. Like, that was the most epic yeah. part of that game, in my opinion. I just thought, wow, yeah. that was clever. That was clever. And then I couldn't believe those references to Knuckles Chaotix when they did the the revamp. The, that I forget what they called it, but that, that you know, extra stuff they put in the yeah. game. I'm going to go play that now. We're talking about it too much. <laughs> All right. We streamed it on the channel a couple weeks ago, and I was so like, good. I don't play this enough. It's so good. So good. So good. <laughs> All right. That was a, a great question. That was a great question. Uh, this is a really good question too, Aaron, and I'm, I'm curious. I want to know this as well. Uh, Timmy Mac, good, good buddy Timmy Mac, asks, uh, are you going to join us in the Animal Crossing Madness? Uh, you know what? At, at some point, I usually don't buy games when they're <laughs> full price at $60. It's, that's a general rule of mine, yeah. um, and maybe that just, I don't know, maybe I'm a cheapskate. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to. I just have not gotten around to getting that game yet. Yeah. And, and I won't go on too long, but that it makes no sense why that game's so much fun. I've already put 45 hours into it, which makes no sense. I got it for my birthday because my, my dad sent me a gift card uh, and I bought the electronic version on the on the eShop. And I, I honestly, I never, I dabbled with the one on GameCube a little bit, but I never got into it. But I'm having a blast with this game. I don't even know why. It's kind of like The Sims, but honestly, I like it better than The Sims. But anyways, I'm sure I'll talk about it in some other podcasts one day soon. But uh, I want to give these guys a plug real quick, though. Our good buddy Sean from Nerdy Thursday just started a brand new podcast about Animal Crossing, and I love it. It's called Animal Talking. Uh, They're on uh, iTunes now, so go check those guys out. It's family-friendly. Uh, Sean and uh, I believe his buddy named Kyle, uh, great, great podcast. They they kind of talk about what's going on because uh, there's always new events that pop up all the time. So make sure you go check those guys out. Really loving that podcast, guys. Keep up the good work, Sean. All right. So next question. Sorry, Aaron. I feel like I'm taking over your. Uh, That's scary. okay. <laughs> we'll talk it up tonight. Uh, next question comes from Anthony Pig, and Anthony says, "Any interest in the new Hatsune Mega Mega Mix game?" I probably didn't say that right. Um, I like music games in general. I know Sega makes those, but I have to be honest, I have not really followed the pop idol, uh, games of that sort, but I will direct listeners of Genesis Gems over to a fascinating video where the owner of Domino's Pizza (laughs) And this went viral. He shot a video uh, of a cross promotion with that pop idol character from Japan, Hatsune Miku. And it is the most wild <laughs> promotional, <laughs> cross promotional video I think I've ever seen. Just like this 
American CEO looking wildly out of place promoting this product, and it is bonkers. So while I have not played that or messed around uh, with, there's like this Vocaloid software, that's what it basically is, um, I'm interested. So I'll have to go check out some video. Nice. Uh, the next question isn't really a question, but a nice little quote. Uh, Aaron Thompson says, Aaron Hickman is a dude who knows a lot about Sega games. <laughs> so all y'all listeners <laughs> know that our little jingle that intros this segment is uh, from our good friend uh, Rob Luther, who wrote a little uh, song in the tune of the Jeopardy theme. So Actually, they wrote the Jeopardy theme after Rob that, wrote it. I, I, would, I would agree with I that. I would believe that. <laughs> I'd believe that. <laughs> yeah, right he wrote it first, the and then they... Right when you started the segment, I almost started singing it, and I was like, "No, oh, the listeners have just heard it." It's true. It's one thing about this podcast. I like the uh, tradition. I don't like changing anything up, so I like having the same exact segment music <laughs> from the get go. So oh yeah, there you go. Um, the next question comes in from that loser, Michael Kelso. Uh, <laughs> he says, "Be honest. Is thirteen hundred miles really a safe enough social distance from Nick Stevens?" <laughs> no, I think I'd have to escape to a. Uh, a, another plane of existence, like Shake On style, to get away from him. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's funny. And then at the, at the end, you find out that there are like like you got rid of Nick Stevens, but there are all these other Nick Stevens <laughs> That's right. That's right. in the universe. That's right. Yeah, I can never go away. Thanks a lot, Death. What a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite thing about this too is. I'm wondering how many people before we get into the game even know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, if you don't know, you will know soon. And for anyone who's not played this game, if if you've ever played like Legacy of Cain or that series, that's that's a taste of what you're, you're in for. Oh, that's a good, that's so a, good a whole yeah. world of world of pain. <laughs> that's a good uh, comparison for sure. <laughs> All right, two more questions. We got the next one from Nick DeMarco. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, Aaron, he says, uh, when are you going to get the whole Sapia thing checked out, man? You look too pale and coffee for my liking. <laughs> also, was there ever any talks of Sega making another handheld after the Game Gear? Ooh, yeah. You know what? I mean, okay, on the Sepia thing, I can't help. I'm always looking back at the past. So <laughs> that's just sort of my my MO, MO, my calling card. I like it. But as far as Sega making another handheld, uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure the Sega Nomad was their last big push for a handheld. And then, you know what? I I think they might have licensed someone to make a portable Dreamcast or allow them to make it. But They they partnered up with Tiger on the game.com. Did Sega partner up with them? On there, that? there were. I don't know about partner, but there were some Sega games on that. There were some Sega games on, <laughs> on that, that miserable that system. Very questionable quality, like Sonic Jam, <laughs> which which did not jam. I'll tell you right now, I, just, it was I have not a jam. I have to bring that up every chance I get because it was just the biggest letdown of my of my uh, childhood getting that stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, so yeah, after after the failure of i mean the nomad was great but i don't think that it sold all that well and it was a north american exclusive um i think that was it for sega handhelds 
Cool. So there you go. There you go. So last question comes from Mr. Gabe Van Gilder, and he asks, what have you been doing since the COVID started? Absolutely nothing. I've been sitting <laughs> in the same exact spot for about 48 days. I've <laughs> <laughs> um, got a you know, huge red mark on my back and <laughs> a lot of uh, Cheeto dust and Cheeto uh, dust. kind of a Cheeto dust beard going on and, just, you know, some Mountain Dew stains. <laughs> no. Uh, it's like every gamer like uh <laughs> I don't even know the word for that, but yeah. <laughs> Stereotype. No, I've been so I've been lucky enough to work from home the for the past eight years. So that really wasn't much of a transition for me. Uh just you know, full time working from home for pharmaceutical company and really not too much has changed there. And but you know, otherwise just Going out for walks with my awesome girlfriend, and uh, we just painted a table today because we'd been meaning to get around to that. And so we painted a nice shade of Sega blue. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so we, we painted a table and we're letting it dry. We're going to put it together. It's a giant round table and just trying to keep busy and, you know, keep the monotony away trying to play video games when i can and work on music projects otherwise so that's been been my life um you know uh hanging out with my kids whenever i get them um because they literally poor kids they really can't go anywhere besides my place and then their mom's place and it's just back and forth and that's, that's about it cool man all right, so I think that does it for our Ask Aaron segment. So looks like we can jump right into the main segment of the show where we are going to talk about this uh, this game. So, hey, Aaron, game on. Game on, Nick. Hey, Cap, game on. Okay, <laughs> game on, Nick. Game on! Yeah, game on! Sega! Game on. All right, guys. So, uh, Che Is that right? Che, Che, Che Con? Che Con. Che Con. Shaka Con, the forever man. <laughs> oh, there's so many fun jokes. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, this game uh, was a game that I honestly didn't play until probably around the late 90s. Um, uh, I, I bring this up a lot, but there was a time where I downloaded like every rom possible when i was in uh, high school and college time and i tried like every game i possibly could from the 8-bit and 16-bit era so i I remember playing this game for probably maybe 30 minutes to an hour uh and it reminded me very much of the x-men games on the genesis a lot of the same sound effects you'll hear uh because the sound design uh, and the uh composer were kind of the same guy but it it didn't really catch me right at the time so i i honestly never went back to it i just kind of passed it off as a x-men clone that didn't really do it for me at that time but uh i I never rented it i never really saw it on the shelves anywhere Uh, i just remember going through you know a A through z of the roms that i was downloading and i tried it and that's kind of my only memory of it but i I thought the always thought the character looked cool Uh, i was really happy to dig into the character over the past few weeks uh leading up to this podcast but didn't really have any memories of this game per se but uh did you guys play this game ever before uh, looking at it for the show um, I'll let Cap go first. 
I found out about this two weeks ago when you guys asked me to come on the show. You can't but see my you, face, but I've got a giant grin on my face. Right <laughs> as soon as, well, you stumped me with it because this guy made this comic in his basement and then somebody made a game out of it. It's amazing. Like This would never happen, happen now. It's, it's happen. absolutely wild. I mean, especially by a major studio. Like They made this at the same time as they made Tasmania. It's crazy. And it was like right after their hit Spider-Man game. Yeah. yeah. And this is better. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'll tell you, though, it immediately gave me massive Spawn flashbacks. And I may bring up Spawn here and there as we go along with uh, parallels with this, because in a lot of ways, Shaycon is like what Spawn should have been. And I guess there was something really in the air right then uh, when he when he wrote this in 89, uh, because like I said, it's like backstory wise, it's a deal with the devil. Uh, it's it's a uh, you know it, it, him thinking it's going to be one thing, and then the devil turns out to uh, not give him anything like what he promised. There's a loophole. It's he's gonna he's gonna live forever, but it's gonna suck. I mean, he has a lot in common with Spawn, uh, but Spawn doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I read a couple Shakon comics, and I knew what was happening, and also he didn't have amnesia, so I appreciated that a lot. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was wild that this game came out the same year uh, Spawn starts in the comics. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that. yeah that's it's the first, wild. That's the first, like, when I, when I was reading the story, I'm like, this reminds me of Spawn. Like, that was the very first thing I thought of when I kind of heard the backstory. And it's also interesting that there is a version of Spawn, because, of course, uh, within the canon of Spawn, there's a lot of different characters and different time periods that become Spawn that looks a lot like Shaycon. Uh, and it's Gunslinger Spawn. There's a Spawn from uh, the Old West. It's Gunslinger Spawn, and he looks a lot like Shaycon. I just Googled that as you said that, and you're right. <laughs> I've never heard of that version of Spawn. That's so cool. Huh. Sweet. So, Aaron, did you have memories of this? Uh, the only memories I have of this game were seeing pictures of it, <laughs> like in advertisements, because I a senior member of Sega uh, pushing it pretty hard uh, around the time it came out, and I never saw footage of the game, but I remember seeing it in screenshots or like when you buy a game and you get one of those giant Sega pamphlets with a bunch of screenshots, uh, and it looked cool. Uh, Khan has one of those wild hats that kind of reminds me of a uh, Kung Lao <laughs> from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, just one of those really wide brimmed hats. It's also got kind of a puritanical thing yeah. going on. Which in, but in, no, I, in, in honestly, the intro it mentions Mortal Kombat, right? <laughs> yeah, it even says Mortal Kombat. I was like, like what? Name drop. Uh, but it's more Mortal Kombat with a C, not yeah, not the Mortal right. Kombat that we know and love. Leagues, uh, leagues different. But, <laughs> yeah, I can't say. I think it was like you, Nick, where I went back and played a whole bunch of Genesis games in the late '90s. I'd had a big collection of them, but it wasn't until I got to play more of the games I'd missed out on an emulation that I tried this one out and. Yeah, I could already, even back then, could kind of see the parallels to Spawn. And then an earlier game I played, which was uh, Legacy of Cain Blood Omen, which literally you start that game and main character, uh, he, what was it? He becomes immortal 
but yeah. by becoming immortal um, and becoming a vampire, he's sort of doomed to <laughs> dwell the dwell the mortal realm. And uh, yeah, similar kind of a similar deal going on. And yeah, I I could see the parallels between this and Spawn, but much like you, I sort of bounced off the game. is great. I think the the visuals it's. It's aesthetically pleasing. I think there's some cool things going on, but I think what bounced me off the game was like the the jumping. <laughs> yeah. Where it just seemed like your character can't jump far enough <laughs> in any direction, and your your basic sword is kind of ineffective, and that's sort of by design. The game wants you to collect these potions as you go that seriously power your guy up yeah but you might not know that the game is deeper than it seems like on the surface um but yeah i i have to say us covering this game now has allowed me to play it for a much longer amount of time and to really (laughs) dig into it than i i ever would have previously and you know what's crazy is that some people who look back on this game now they're like oh yeah this is like the sega genesis version of dark souls or demon souls basically saying that it's a very difficult gothic influenced you know action adventure game uh with some real darkness and grit to the game that you didn't find so much back then so i can kind of see that connection i saw that comment a lot in long plays on youtube where people were like ah this is the like you said the dark souls of the 16-bit era like if you can beat this you're the man (laughs) (laughs) or woman yeah i am in fact not the man no gosh no i yeah i am the boy who lived i'm not the I, I was happy with playing practice mode. That's when I'm like, okay, this game, this game's okay. Honestly, <laughs> you're you're pretty OP. You're pretty uh, pretty overpowered when you play in practice mode. It's well, even then, I was dying. So yeah, I was gonna yeah. say I didn't feel as overpowered as I should have felt though. I was like, <laughs> that, this is what it requires for me to make uh, any progress. I remember in the chat, I was mentioned I was having trouble with something, and the cap's like, well, did you try using the high jump? I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't keep me from falling all the holes. <laughs> Uh, which there are many. <laughs> oh yeah, plenty of holes. But uh, before we get too far into that, we'll go over the, the info a little bit here. Uh, this game was released on the Genesis in North America in December of 92. It was developed, uh, published by Sega, and an extended play was the credit I saw there. And I honestly didn't see anything else about extended play <laughs> on the uh, Moby games. But um, if you guys want to know kind of the, the credits of who kind of made this game, um, as far as the game itself, not the story of it uh, mark miller was one of the J- mark and jonathan miller were part of the game designs and uh some of their credits go into like pandemonium uh, 3d baseball blood omen legacy game as uh aaron already mentioned yeah. they worked on that i don't X- think that's a coincidence no not at all uh x-men 2 clone war they, they did audio for x-men 2 which you can hear a lot of x-men uh type of uh sound effects in here earthworm gen they did some audio there uh, list goes on and on. Toe Jam and Earl. There's a ton of stuff they did um, as far as working on audio, but their only really game design was uh, Shake On. Interesting enough. And my notes just disappeared. Here they are. Uh, this That's what... okay. I can fill in the, the blank yeah, sure. there a little bit too. Uh, so if you go to Sega 16, 
com. They have a great article from back in 2016 uh, about the the origin of this game, how it came to be, and the designers, how they had worked on other projects and sort of came together uh, from in, and partnered up with people who had worked on Tasmania and Spider-Man and sort of made a dream team at the time of uh, Sega of America folks or, you know, people associated with that. And yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, pretty, pretty good read that goes into even how, which you might talk a little bit more about Nick, uh, how this even got made into a game in the first place. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't have too much on that house, honestly, other than the, the little <laughs> history that we talked about of uh, yeah, it being just a random guy making a comic. <laughs> hey, let's make yeah, a game of this. They met, him in, they met him in a con, and they were just yeah, looking at the material, and they were like, he, th- this looks really interesting. And he, he didn't even have a full issue yet. Uh, it was in the back of another so cool. book called Thunder Maze. And apparently everybody uh, that came to the guy's booth wanted to talk about Shaycon and not Thunder Maze. And he was like, maybe I should make a book. And even before he had a full book made, he, he was talking to these guys. Well, and I can't remember the name of the other comic, uh, comic this guy was working on, but he, he mentions in our interview I read from him that the other comic was, it was almost too perfect. Like the guy was just like a Superman type character with... You know, little flaws, not you know, just just good, good, good. And then he he felt like Shakon was more of a, a relatable character. You know, his 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 lust for power kind of set him in a bad spot, and he felt like there was more relatable from people reading it. Which I I agree. I, I I always empathize more with the characters who have that. Even though Captain America is probably my favorite comic book character, which just threw everything I said out the door. But I I really enjoy like uh, I love Venom. That's one of my favorite uh, stories to read. On. I, I like uh, you know Spawn characters like that that have a, a little bit more of a struggle between the good and evil and, and and things like that. So it's it's just interesting to hear his take on that. That that's that's one of the reasons why people like Shake On so much more than. I can, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank of his other character he, he designed for a different uh, comic I think it series. was Thunder Mace. I think it was Thunder, Thunder Mace. Mace. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was it just Mace. the two? Uh, it was, yeah. Okay. I just, those two, he had worked on it with this guy named uh, Rick Sellers in the 80s. And yeah, that was <laughs> exactly it. He was drawing this character and people were like, hey, <laughs> who's that guy? <laughs> and he'd even described him as sort of a mix between uh, Clint Eastwood yeah, and, yeah. and just zombies. <laughs> It's almost like the Undertaker and Fred, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah, I heard that comparison too. Freddy Krueger and Undertaker. Yep. <laughs> the, yeah, the, well, and, the Clint Eastwood thing. And, I heard him say that. Like he, he's like, I drew a cool, uh, evil Clint Eastwood-looking guy or something. <laughs> yeah, and an important thing to note about Krauss is that he was a pop culture, or a, excuse me, a pop artist before he was a comic artist. So he would take these characters that had like maybe a little bit of a flimsy backstory, but didn't have you know complete books, and take them to cons. And so he, he had. Uh, these this kind of like you know underground group of fans that would come find him at cons and like the looks of his characters, but he hadn't really developed them much in comics. So his comic style is interesting because what he is drawing are almost uh, like illustrated stories before they're comic books. Yeah, I think um, in that one I'd found one of those things I'd sent you was just that he'd turn one thing into a comic, but one of those things I sent was almost like a novelization with some of the pictures he'd drawn to go with it. 
And even that first issue, it's more of a comic. It's sequential art. It's not just those full-page spreads with a lot of text, uh, but no dialogue balloons. <laughs> I, he, and and uh, what I read was that he uh, tended to write an entire script before he would start working on a comic, and it wouldn't be a comic script. It would be a story and text, and then he would draw art to go with it. And I'm curious to look at any of the later Shikan stuff and see if he ever started actually putting in dialogue balloons and writing traditional comics. Because everything I've looked at, even the real comics, it's still no dialogue balloons. Huh. Yeah, it's a lot of... Uh... It's almost like, is this narration? <laughs> is it just mm-hmm. straight narration the whole time? And I'll, I'll yeah, gotta... I read a few comics like that. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a legitimate form. It's just unusual. You don't see it a lot. And is the... So I only, only checked out the first uh, issue or whatever, but it, are all his comics kind of in that series black and white? I thought that art style was super cool. I would assume so. Okay. I mean, unless he got a colorist later. Yeah. Uh, I haven't looked at anything beyond the uh, that first issue that that we all looked at, and then uh, he had a compilation of a bunch of short stories uh, where he killed things like Dracula and uh, other uh, you know well known uh, public domain characters like that, and That's a cool. unicorn because <laughs> apparently Shakon. Hates unicorns, and if you and if you look at that, it's like a two-page comic, and it's just this like frolicking, happy unicorn in like the most like poppy, happy art, like like art style that that you can look. And then he just like mutilates this unicorn, (laughs) and it's hilarious. But I don't understand why. I guess Shakon doesn't have to be choosy. Like he's supposed to only like like he's supposed to kill all the supernatural evils in the world. But I guess nothing bad will happen to him if he just goes. I don't like that thing. I'm gonna kill that too because i don't know what the what what the happy go lucky unicorn with like hearts coming out of its face did to anybody (laughs) yeah i I agree with you i know you know i made a deal with death he has to hunt all the supernatural creatures but i thought it was all the supernatural creatures that were causing death yeah it was supposed to be be well he's supposed to take out all the evils it's supernatural evil yeah. and i think the i think the idea is supposed to be that all evil comes from supernatural evil so if you got rid of all the supernatural bad things you just wouldn't have evil is kind of how it reads and then the big twist at the end of of the origin issue is supposed to be uh again if like like he takes out we see him fight and, and kill the last supernatural evil on earth Oh, but there's a whole universe of worlds, and you didn't kill any of those things yet, and uh, you're way in the past before there's going to be any space travel, so sucks to be you. You have to wait around for a long time. And I want to read the Shaken story where he gets on a spaceship and goes out to different planets and tries to kill those evils. And I would assume he has written some of that, but I don't know. So the only stuff that we found was uh, the, like I said, that, that, that compilation of little short stories and that first oversized, like, four. 40-page issue he did. There are, I think, two more of those, and I haven't looked at those yet, but if you go to his website, and Nick, you mentioned earlier, like, you can't get any of these books for cheap, but if you, because, I mean, he would have had these tiny, tiny print runs, and so anybody that has them is kind of scalping them pretty hard, but if you go to his website, he has... Uh, a bunch of shaken stories from over the years that he just did kind of for himself and they're 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 trade paperback size i don't know how long they are but there are a good i don't know 14 16 uh and he's selling them all for 10 bucks on his website and as far as i know that website is, is still 
functional and you can still order those because uh, he hasn't he hasn't shut it down and he hasn't set it up to where you can't order them anymore. But he was selling a limited run of a thousand of each, and I couldn't find one that was sold out. I mean, that's how small time this whole thing still is. He, yeah. he he printed a thousand of each of these books, and he hasn't run out of any of them yet, as far as I can tell. So you, if if you if somebody plays this game and likes this character a lot, you may be able to be one of only a few hundred people in the world that has read the later <laughs> Shaken stories. I'm I'm seriously and, checking out right now. I'm, I'm gonna try to buy it myself. <laughs> I'm I'm literally the, the compendium. I always say that word wrong, but I'm I'm literally yeah, that's, that, that's that compilation I was yeah, talking about. I'm I'm checking out right now. I'm gonna try to buy it. <laughs> we'll see oh, what yeah, happens. Cool. Yeah. It's PayPal, so at least I can get my money back. If it doesn't. Oh happen. yeah, yeah. See if see if he actually sends it to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to because it's only 13 bucks total, and I I really we'll get into everything a little, little little later. But I'm very intrigued by the story, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I don't need- and I don't mean to make fun. The man is a really talented artist. Uh, he's like his line work is he's really good. It's super polished. It's really well detailed. But I do think it's really funny that on his website he calls himself uh, the world famous Robert Krauss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess technically, but <laughs> well, and I'm not going to be mean. But the website looks like it's was made with like GeoCities back in the '90s. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, it's time appropriate. It's. <laughs> All right, cool. No, it's it's great. Yeah, I I've been fascinated just looking through these comics um, that I've been able to pick up, or you know, just look for online, and uh, it's just really interesting how obscure this is, and that this producer from Sega was able to to lift this slightly out of obscurity. <laughs> I I think uh Shaykhan's most famous outing is the Sega Genesis game because you know there wasn't really a cartoon or a movie or any other major property. But at the time Sega the Sega Genesis was the hot ticket item. Yeah. So it was just really fascinating. It was uh Ed Anuziata who was a Sega producer and went to Gen Con in the late 80s and and met up with Robert Krauss and got into talks with him. And then uh, that's what ended up le- leading to a team working on this game. And uh, this, you know, it might not be the most original concept, but it was definitely a unique game on the Sega Genesis. There's not really any other game on the system I can think of that deals with this much darkness and maybe not this level of difficulty. There's very few games that are this difficult in general. Well, and the fact that they were, I love that you sent that little YouTube video, the prototype they were making for the Dreamcast, I think. They had like a character yeah. design for him and everything. And that yeah. actually looked pretty sweet. Yeah, it was sad that uh, that got canceled, but it was, I think it was going to be around 2000, 2001. And the same artist who was working on that ended up using some of those same designs or something similar for Legacy of Kane Blood Omen 2. So kind of an interesting yeah. connection between those game series. That's for sure. And you know what we need? We need Shaycon as a guest character in Mortal Kombat 11. He would fit right in, wouldn't he? <laughs> I would totally buy that. I mean, he's another one of those characters that deals with different planes of existence. Yeah. Especially so I can play him against Spawn. <laughs> yeah. 
I saw that they're bringing a RoboCop to the next. Yeah, I'm really excited about <laughs> that. Peter cool. Weller's voicing him. <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> if uh, anyone's interested in collecting this game, uh, as of today, May 10th, 2020, you can buy this game for about $9.30 loose and about $22.12 complete in box. I ended up getting it on Amazon. I wanted to actually get the real copy. Um, I got it for about $12 on Amazon. I did a buy it now kind of thing so that way i could get it in before we recorded so did you get yours complete or just with the box j- just the cartridge yeah i didn't oh I, just the cartridge yeah okay. yeah i didn't go complete so um <clears throat> and real quick we've been talking about this kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because it's kind of interesting but i want to go over the little synopsis that Moby game size out there real quick it's about three paragraphs long so just bear with me uh it says shake on is a somewhat unorthodox unorthodox platform game with its mix of relentless difficulty spell crafting and dark themes in the game you're controlling shake on who's been cursed to not die. In order for him to rest in peace, he'll have to go through many levels of hack-and-slash platforming. The ultimate goal is to defeat all the primary realms and achieve inner peace. Through your travels, you have to defeat bosses in each of the four realms of air, water, fire, and earth to proceed and acquire weapons that'll help you on to progress in other realms. Shaykhan can acquire the mallet, scythe, grappling hook, and axe along with his standard swords, and depending on what weapon is equipped, different abilities are unlocked. Some weapons allow for double jumping, for instance, while others can tear down walls. Furthermore, the player is able to collect potions that can be used in alchemy. By pressing start at any time, one can create various spells and enhance the character like higher jumping, putting fire on your blades, or even invisibility. Some levels actually require you to use specific spells of progress, forcing you to think outside the borders of a normal platform game. On top of all this, there's an imposed timeline on each level. So that's what Moby Games has to say about the Shake-On. Yeah, that time limit sure is gnarly. <laughs> you have infinite lives except for that... Oh man, yeah. You have an hourglass hourglass that ticks down, and when you're in the main hub area, um, where you're selecting a level to play, there's sort of a screen you walk up to, a display that shows you all of the hourglasses on each of the levels, and as they tick down, that means your time. That even though you can keep playing those levels over and over again, your time will slowly tick down in each one as you play them. And you'll have to go collect uh, some potions in one of those levels to give yourself more time. You can end up crafting a, an hourglass spell. That's what I remember, right? Is it just me? Well, and when I was playing in practice mode, I used that a couple times. But is it just me, or in 1992, is it a little bit sophisticated for it to keep track of the time for all those different levels? It sure seemed like it. Sure, like seemed like it. This game uh, had a few firsts. Uh, it's ambitious. This game, definitely. Yeah, just the way that you go about, um, be, you know, maybe kind of like Mega Man in a way, but how you're able to pick levels, and then you get dumped back out into this uh, level select screen. <laughs> the only other game I can really think about that sort of did this at the time was I think Bubsy 2. <laughs> oh yeah, I had flashbacks uh, to Bubsy 2 yeah. playing this, yeah. And then much later Demon Souls did the very same thing where you're you've kind of got this this was on PS3, but you've got this Nexus which is sort of a safe haven um, but then you'd get to pick a stage and then you'd beat one level of that stage, it would spit you back out into the Nexus and then you could play the next level of that that world basically and this this game does the same thing uh, where 
everything's kind of broken up. You're exploring the level to go pick up an item or to fight a boss is basically what happens. So until you get to the boss stage, you're really just there to go hunt down the item you need. And then the game whisks you back to this, uh, I would say, outer space looking uh, stage area. I gotta say, it's really nice that you don't have to go find an exit after you get your uh, <laughs> exactly your, yeah. your weapon. I was really Good worried about luck. that. Like when I found that weapon, I was like, "Oh my god, where am I supposed to go?" Oh yeah, I'm done. Although one criticism I do have about this is that the first time I played, uh, I was not totally sure what happened the first time I got a weapon and I got sent back. I was like, "Did I beat the level? Like what <laughs> oh, happened?" Yeah. There's I don't no know if you guys had complete. that, but there, there's, there's, some, no... yeah, there's some communication issues with this game. Yeah, there's a few <laughs> things that make you go, um, okay. But then you go over to the display, um, to that board that shows you the hourglasses, and it shows you, it, it fills in, in, in blue each time you beat one of the levels and one of the elements, like air or water... Um, so on and so forth it'll start filling up this board and the game is much more about showing you with the environments than about telling you Yeah, it'll tell you story with text but not so much like level completion stuff and that main area didn't really make any sense to me until I completed one level I'm like oh wait that means that level is probably on the right hand corner of the you know, the purgatory area that you're in, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, oh, it lit up when I did this part of it. So it was, it was almost like your your progression screen, in a way, that to see where you're actually at in the game. And, you know, and, and all that's super cryptic at yeah. first. And, like it, like, it makes sense that there's a logic to it. But, like, I don't know if you guys had this, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the manual and, uh, you know, learning what everything is. And I got to a place where I finally kind of knew what a lot of the symbols meant. But the first time... Uh, I was playing in practice mode, and I saw all the symbols in the, in the start menu. I was just like, what is all this cryptic nonsense? <laughs> exactly. What am I supposed to do with it? Yeah, this. Uh, Aaron, would, would you talk about how important the manual is? It's like an Atari oh. game. Like, you really need it. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. It's it's like people who complain about playing E.T., and they're like, oh, I can't get anywhere in this game. I constantly fall into a pit. Well, it's because you have to read the manual, and then it'll explain like how you avoid those pits. In this game, it explains how you make spells which you're not really making them it's just different combinations of these potions that you pick up suddenly will light up when you press the start button it'll light up uh your your board uh, and it'll give you these different combinations that create spells the problem is the spells are just symbols and so unless you look at the manual it's really just trial and error like oh look that looks like a rainbow i guess i'll do that one uh, and some things you'd like never that. know what it even did until later, or maybe never. Yeah, it can be very cryptic. And there's one that gives you a doorway that uh, it's basically like a level marker, like wherever you are in the level, it'll let. I never used it, but I read about it. Like wh- wherever you are in the level, uh, it'll let you go back to there. You you'd never know that's what it did until you tried it. Yeah, and then you use it, and like, oh, did I just get spit back out into the, you know, the the level select area? And yeah, and then unless you go back into the level, you really wouldn't know that, oh, it's taken me back to the spot I was just at. And you'd also not know that using that door in a very special place, there's this one 
floating platform on the bottom right of the level select area. Um, if you use that doorway spell there, it's almost like a because this game doesn't have any passwords. Yeah. It's almost like a continue feature that lets you start the game halfway through. <laughs> and it really it. needs them. Yeah. Yes. Like, Nick, I was going to say this earlier. When you were reading the Moby game synopsis, there was one place where you said, if that's not enough, I feel like they could have written that five times in that, in that like, <laughs> that's five, not four enough. or five sentence. <laughs> so like, if that weren't enough, it's like, why are you piling all this crap on top of me? It's it's like, uh, you know, Shaykhan has this existential dread and they want the player to feel it too. <laughs> They want you to, to, you know, they they imbued it in the game design. Like, they want you to feel this, like, impending sense of doom in every action. Well, that's true. It works really well thematically. Like, I absolutely feel like Shaycon. The problem is, of course, that you're risking people throwing their controller at the TV and never turning it on again. (laughs) Like, I think they take that a little bit too far for it to be practical um, you know, as a as a game that people would want to return back to. Like, I would say, uh, if nothing else, set it up so that the potions, when you get them, work like it does in practice mode, where, you, where once you get a power, you can use it through the rest of the game. Oh, yeah, that, that, that would be great. a lot of problems, <laughs> I think. I, I agree, because having to constantly... Yeah, that's sort of the onus for you to keep on exploring the levels instead of just rushing straight to the end to find the the hidden potions and secrets and things. Um, But yeah, it would have been easier if you could have just... I think you can use it once in the level and then like you've suddenly got a fire sword or you've got an ice sword or whatever or you've got invincibility. Um, But yeah, some of those things... I wish it was easier to tell like, okay, well, how many more times can I use this? Or could... It would be much nicer if I just had, uh, like, uh, these high jump boots the rest of the game. That would be fantastic. <laughs> there are levels where you have to have that, yeah. unless you know how to do the infinite jump mechanic that's in accident. <laughs> yeah, so there's the... And, and I and I found this out watching a speedrunner. I'm like, oh, how's he doing that? <laughs> and there's this trick where if you alternate pressing the, the jump and attack button... Um, and you make sure you don't press them at the same time, you can... I'm doing it right now. Uh, <laughs> you can go all the way up the level. We can hear you. Yeah, yeah I'm doing that it. That sounds a little, like a Make little dangerous. Sure I can still do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's it's fun being able to do it. Uh, it actually adds another layer of <laughs> fun to the game, just like trying to pull it off, especially like if you don't want to waste your potions for a high jump. You can you can do that, and you sort of jump through the air. And once I figured out how to use it, I didn't feel like I was cheating when I used it, because the um, game is just too insanely hard. It's like, if it lets me do that, I'm using that. Yeah, I, I don't even know how, like, I played practice mode for hours, and I, I didn't even want to try to do anything <laughs> else. I'm like, I'm just going to run through practice mode, see how far I can get. The game, okay, so you know it says something if the game defaults you on easy mode. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because I, I looked at that, I'm like, wow, is, is that's kind of embarrassing, it's on easy mode. So I started playing that, and I'm like, I'm getting slaughtered. And then and I wasn't sure what practice meant. <laughs> I was like, wait, if there's an easier mode than easy... This game must be insanely difficult, and it was. And when I went to practice, I thought the game was just laughing at me. You know, like I thought it was still going to be like a full game mode, and you could get all the way to the end. But the, at the end, it would just be like, okay, now I want you to play me for real. 
But instead, it, it, it literally is kind of a practice mode, and it won't let you play the entire game. You can only get halfway through. Yeah. And if, if they would take away the uh, the health uh, potions for practice mode, that would be a legit game. Cause that was the only, I think so, too. That was the only way I was getting through any of those levels, because I kept getting hit so much, and I would use the health uh, potion or whatever. Uh, other than that, it was pretty much a legit game. Yeah, there. it's one of those two steps forward, one step back type deals where there and we'll talk about this more or when we do our final assessment where there are just like things where it's like oh man this was such a great idea and then like the execution like some of the enemy placement <laughs> the the random enemy placement just like scorpions dropping out of the sky <laughs> um, or monsters that literally can't be destroyed you're sitting there attacking them waiting for them to die and they they're, they're more like environmental puzzles where you have to like hit it and then watch it retract a, a claw and then scoot under once um, i figured that out it was fine but i was like i, I stood there for like five minutes for the one i was like oh, okay it's flashing like everything else in the game that will eventually die but this one's not going to die and so the point yeah. was just hit it and then it retracts and then you move on it felt like something out of um um what am i trying to think of like uh metroid or something <laughs> yeah i and and there is this is a game that's almost like metroid in a way except for the fact that uh it's not one big giant environment but the the levels are definitely maze like <laughs> And there's a lot of jumping and getting to higher and lower places. There's a whole lot of that. Uh, Nick, I think we should talk about the actual mechanics of how you attack in this game and how it feels to move around and the animations and things. Yeah, and one of the key things to note, I uh, if you think about like um, you know, playing Gunstar Heroes where you have the, I believe it's called the fix setting, where you would hold down the attack button and you could just kind of swirl your direction pad in any way. Uh, you kind of picture that with, uh, with Jaycon when he has his two swords. And uh, one of my achievements actually kind of goes into that. And I think you guys saw the GIF uh, I posted on the BitBrothers page. But uh, you can do that. You can hold down the attack button and just kind of like if there's an enemy coming up, you can press up on the direction pad and he you know push both of his swords up. Uh, you can kind of spin that in a circle and it kind of goes exactly where you want it to go. And I kind of thought about Gunstar Heroes because I love the fixed... Uh, style of gameplay with the flamethrower that was always my favorite thing to do in gunstar heroes but that was kind of that way um i thought the animations looked pretty good aaron um they you could see like a little bit of a almost a fade in the way the swords kind of moved and and there was a pretty pretty decent animation there with with the, with the sword swiping but uh um and then also what really really reminded me of x-men and i can't remember which character it was but if you do if you do the jump and you jump again at your highest point you do like kind of the the spin and you also do like a sword slash while you're doing a uh, a flip in the air and i believe it might have been like nightcrawler or maybe wolverine or someone that did that in the x-men games as well yeah i think it was nightcrawler yeah yeah it could do sort of a, a spinning jump yeah or kind of kind of also reminded me of a samus and metroid also exactly, exactly. I can definitely see that but i think that's it was a really cool mechanic i i do wish that shikan himself wasn't just kind of lumbering when, when, like, you look at him, he, for all intents and purposes, he looks like a undead elf. <laughs> uh, so you think he'd be, like, really fast. And if, I feel like if this game had come out, like, maybe a few years later, uh, they would have made him, like, speed around the screen a whole bunch. 
Um, well, what's funny, Aaron, is he's faster in the Game Gear version. He is, yeah. and he can jump further in the Game Gear version. Yeah, I downloaded that last night and was playing through it. it yep. <laughs> it's it's really fascinating. It was a different programmer, but I think part of the aesthetic they were going for was that the way he walks is he's sort of uh, he's you know he's stalking he's stalking these supernatural creatures. And, and he takes his time because he's going to be doing this forever. So, oh, like, what, yeah. what's the what's the hurry? Except there's an hourglass, so there's a time limit, so there is a hurry. But there really, for Shaykhan, shouldn't really be a time limit because, like, what has he got to lose? And you can actually speed around the screen, um, but you're not invulnerable. If you do down and the roll the, spin yeah, thing. Uh, yeah, there's the roll spin thing, which, funny enough, gets you across the screen a lot faster than... <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, all the playthroughs uh, I saw were using that faster. constantly because you're just so slow, but I found myself getting hit too often when I used that. <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting mechanics that the people were using to uh, get through the game a little better. Um, and, and even the best playthroughs of the game uh, still still take a take a bit of time. It's it's a it's a tough game, but I think one of the things if you understand, it's like once you start getting those potions, it does become a little more manageable if you know when to use them. Like if you if you use like the the, the elemental potions, right? Uh, it's kind of like a Final Fantasy deal. You use the right elemental on the right elemental world, you know, the opposing elemental, whatever. Then those enemies tend to fall faster. But well, there are Problems certain levels, not... especially. This game really needs a projectile weapon. Yeah, and there so is like, it's, one. There no, is I know, one, but, but it just yeah. like like you need that. It sucks if you don't have the the, the fire power up or the yeah. or, or the or the yeah, um yeah. the ice uh, the ice one. The ice one's the most powerful one, I think. Yeah, and and not having that because uh, you are stuck with these basic swords unless you use a potion, and you're sort of stuck. Like, oh, do I really want to use that potion? Am I going to need it on a boss? <laughs> and so you kind of do the same thing you do in a Mega Man game, which is just like I'm going to conserve <laughs> my extra abilities <laughs> up until I know no, I have to face one of those guys. And I would say the bosses in this game look great. The they enemy design. Great. The world design uh, is phenomenal, fantastic, I think, um, in a lot of ways. But the letdown is, is sort of the AI is kind of chunky. And once you learn the pattern of any of these bosses, uh, it's pretty one note. If you ever played like a Mega Man game, all of those bosses were tightly designed and have some you know, interesting pattern you have to learn. In this game, what do you exception of maybe one or two bosses most of them sort of have like one method of attack um that they'll try and get you with and that's about it i i will say there is one later on that i thought was pretty cool which was like this claw like creature in the mud world once you get to the elemental stages and he sort of slides you all the way across the screen <laughs> and it's a really cool effect in the design for that boss has kind of a HR Geiger type thing going on, uh, which a lot of the enemy designs just 
really, really cool in this game. I was really surprised by the level of detail in a lot of the sprites. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I, I sort of wish the, the effect of destroying the enemies was a little stronger. Me too. Or, you know, the sound effects for that. But I will say, we haven't talked about the music yet, but I would say a lot of the music is actually pretty well done and fits the game mood in general. Yeah. Some of it's more effective than others, but and, and what's weird is some of the best music is not even the level music. Like the the, the music in the uh, in the pause menu is some of the best music in the game. It's really good. Yeah, and also just the level select area when you go pick another stage, I thought was mm-hmm. kind of like when you if you ever played Diablo, it yeah. made me think of that for some reason, uh, where it's just like this eerie calm <laughs> before you pick a, another level. Uh, or if you ever play Demon Souls, same deal where it's like this calming music, and then you know, once you get to one of the levels, it's like this loud, uh, you know, heavy heavy metal tune or uh, abrasive <laughs> abrasive ambient music. <laughs> yeah, because there's bits that are. Yeah, but you're right about that. The, wa- the water stage, I would absolutely describe that way. Like there's <laughs> there's some stuff that sounds exactly like that X Men game. Yeah. And then there, there's one track that's like straight out of Mortal Kombat. Like it might as well have been a Mortal Kombat track. Oh, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Um, you used a lot of the same, uh, you know, samples or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I felt that energy going into that stage. And I think it was uh, it was the one where you start fighting the scorpions. I forgot what... And was it kind of the metal? Uh, had more of a metal kind of sound to it because I yeah I can't remember which which dimension it was, but I I wrote that down as well because I actually learned I was, was kind of playing it on guitar one time because I'm like that's a pretty sweet like was it the one that goes bom 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 yes yeah bom bom yeah. yeah I love that one yes <laughs> <laughs> Nick uh, I I'm kind of surprised that neither of you guys uh said this like at the beginning of this because this was a thought I had like five minutes into playing the game. This is a consummate Genesis title. Like this game oh, doesn't work yes. on any other system. <laughs> no, yeah. it it sort of fits into a lot of tropes of the Sega Genesis, which is here's an American developed game uh, that is pretty much all American. It's a license of a comic game. The level design uh, is of a very certain style. Uh, it's much more grown up than what you would typically find in about 90% of Super Nintendo games <laughs> or games coming around, coming out on consoles around that time. Um, there was no ratings board yet. hard edge that's kind of trying yeah. too hard, but is kind of endearing now because of that. Yeah. Yeah, but also the soundtrack. I mean, they, they, you're you're talking about score was what made me think of that. Like, can you guys imagine trying to take this soundtrack and putting it in a Super Nintendo? What would it even sound like? Uh, it would sound like oh, it would sound like sampled FM music, which would be like ah, who, what what game did that? I think it was like Knights of the Round. There was like one or two Super Nintendo games where they would use samples. Um, that to make it sound more like a Sega Genesis or Sega arcade game. But yeah, I would not sound uh, at all the same, really. Uh, You'd almost try to rewind 
the soundtrack entirely and make it something that made more sense for that chip. You know, do do something like still haunting and eerie, but more orchestral. Yeah, I could see that they could they could pull off that moodiness still, um, and because I mean there were a few games that did that where well, Spawn on the Super Nintendo did that. Yeah, where it's, Super it's, Nintendo... su- it's super haunting and foreboding, and and that soundtrack wouldn't sound good on the Genesis. But if the Genesis did it, they you'd want to go for some kind of metal metal kind of sound. But that was more ambient and creepy. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, I would say the Sega Genesis was definitely better in general at the harder rock yeah, songs sure. i say in general there there are some exceptions but uh and there were in, hints, in general like, there were hints in this game of that dying cat noise that i always talk about it wasn't yeah. as it wasn't as sustained as like your road rash type of uh, soundtrack <laughs> but they were hey, there there's a straight up sample like hyena or something when <laughs> your character dies it's even crazier in the game. And at the startup than... menu, the Genesis uh, uh, logo has Shaykhan doing that like weird wolf howl noise. <laughs> if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. Because there's some. It sets as far the as mood, it. Man. That's great. Yeah, as far as, uh... I was eight years old in 1992. I can only imagine <laughs> turning turning that on. <laughs> I know when yeah. you when you died in the Game Gear version, there's some weird noises happening there. I don't know if you guys experience that. <laughs> yes, that was that sounds like one painful death that <laughs> you can believe. Yeah, it. I haven't I haven't tried to play that yet. I just watched a little bit of footage of it, and the music in that is hilarious because that system is like that chip, or or maybe they just didn't know how to program for it. But like, I listened to that and was like, is it possible to make creepy sounding music on? the game gear can you do it because it was yeah. like it sounded too happy it was trying it's darndest to be like like really uh, uh, broody and it just could not pull that off no it's it's basically like someone whistling the theme song to a horror movie it's it's the same effect because the master system <laughs> chip um really yeah, unless you did a, sp- a specific technique, you couldn't even go below a certain octave. So everything already had a higher pitch sing-songy quality to it. So yeah, I, I think the the sole programmer on that game, uh, you know, he was able to use some of the assets that were given to him. And I think one of those things was, I think it was mostly the music from its big brother, but just transferred over to the the weaker chip which is so, i'm yeah, sure how a lot of those were done to be honest yeah with the i think with the gems engine um that the two of the guys worked on who did the music for this game um you know because the sega genesis is comprised of two chips it's got this 16-bit you know this fm chip and then it's got this weaker 8-bit square wave chip that was used in the Master System and Game Gear, uh, it was probably easy enough for people to port that over uh, and just simplify it when they they brought it over. And that's what you got. (laughs) That's what you get. (laughs) Well, I thought the music was very serviceable for this game. um, I'm pretty judgmental sometimes when it comes to music but i thought i thought it fit very well uh good variety there's a few tracks that i thought eh, that's okay but um there's a couple other tracks that i really really enjoyed and uh, i don't remember now was there a could you actually listen to the tracks in the options menu 
Or was it the uh, sound I test not there? So. I don't no, remember. I couldn't find a sound test in this game. I, I just remember so. being able to being able to swap controls. That was about it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that was good. I thought the sound effects were good. Um, one thing I think they could have added, and I, I talk about this a lot in game, there was really no good hit detection. Uh, and I think the first X-Men game kind of hit this too, because you... If you hit an enemy, it may have flashed a little bit, but there was no like distinct sound or like a like a because like like I said back then you didn't have the vibration of the control like you do now, so you had to have some kind of a hit detection. Whether your your enemy kind of fell backwards or something, then the then the sound effects happened. But I, there was a couple of areas and in, in especially the the spider stages I went all the way through when I was fighting some. Uh, I don't they, they weren't like the they were some of the bigger enemies, and I was hitting them, hitting them. I'm like, am I even hitting this guy? I can't even tell. And that, that always kind of drove me nuts. So I feel like there could have been a nice sound effect of a, of a slash, of a, a different type of slash actually happening as you hit the enemy. And that yeah, that's probably one of my biggest gripes as far as sound goes on this game. Yeah, I think that's super frustrating because that's the kind of thing that's likely to make a player turn it off in 10 yeah. minutes. Because they're going to think that the actual hit detection is worse than it is. Because I thought it was actually pretty consistent, but the first half hour not being able to tell if my blows were landing, yeah. like you were saying, I didn't trust it. So like, you're saying hit detection, the actual detection I think is good, but I can't always it's tell if feedback. it's landing. Yeah. You're right. You know what, it, it, and I think, I, I was just watching a video where they described this, uh, it was DF Retro, which you haven't watched watched uh, the Digital Foundry Retro videos, you should definitely check those out. Uh, they were breaking down the Streets of Rage series, and they were saying part of what made that series so great was the feedback that you got when you'd actually hit an enemy the enemy shakes in a just the right pattern um, to give you the sensation that you're punching something (laughs) combined with the sound effect that it it just really worked well and that's something that this game unfortunately just does not quite do yeah, and you want some kind of oh, middle road between this and a lot of like old NES platformers where you where, where you hit something and it would fly to the opposite edge of the screen, or something would hit you yeah. and you would Fist fly of the North to the Star opposite. Style. Drove you yeah. freaking crazy! <laughs> like something yeah. in between would be great. <laughs> Talking about last like, battle right here. <laughs> yeah, you hit a guy and he goes eighty thousand miles off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how you know he's he's a goner. Yep. So yeah, we talked about that. Um, gra- talk about the uh, yeah. Talk about the talk about the graphics, right? Yeah, the graphics, the art style, I thought were very cool. Um, I, I liked the animations. I thought uh, Chekhov had a cool little strut when he had walk, which I thought was very cool. Always, uh, if you think back of the old Nintendo game Castlevania, I always called that the Belmont strut, the way Simon Belmont walked, and Chekhov kind of had his own little strut when he'd walk, and I thought that was very cool. Animations were good. I uh, love the art. And I was reminded of Castlevania all over this. I, I meant to ask you guys this earlier. Would this, and maybe this is going to sound like a super stupid question from a guy that doesn't know games as well as you guys do. Does this sort of almost count in the Metroidvania uh, almost. style? Yeah. It's it's almost there, right? If someone, yeah, if it, someone it, were to explain to me that, hey, you can't progress on this side of the stage until you get a power up from this side of the stage i would say yeah that's kind of sounds like a metroidvania like like from from that definition i could see that kind of playing into that a little bit yeah but where it breaks down is the fact that you don't revisit areas to uh you know collect more items it's like once you're off a stage you're off it and you're on to the next stage yeah 
There is a little bit of it, though, in that items that you collected from one area could be useful in another, like having the grappling hook, um, which is definitely a Metroidvania staple. Um, having that is very handy because you're able to clip onto things in the background and get to locations you might not be able to get to otherwise. So yeah, there is some of that, but the way the game is segmented um, and is not like one big map that you go and explore means that it might not fit into that category quite so closely. Yeah, I figured that would disqualify it, but I wasn't totally sure. There's actually one game on the Sega Genesis that I've read that people consider some people consider a Metroidvania for lack of a better word and, and that's another comic book based video yeah, game. Yeah. You know, oh really? Which is Phantom 2049. Yep. I've never played that. I've always been curious about it. Yeah, it's on uh, Sega Genesis, I got a copy of Game that. Gear, and Super Nintendo. I saw yeah. that at the rental store all the time when I was a kid and for some reason I never bothered with it. It's surprisingly solid. Yep, I'd agree. I will have to pull that up at some point. Yeah, we'll have to. Whenever we cover that, you'll you'll definitely be there with us, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Cool. Well, and I love the Phantom, and have always said that uh, it would be really cool to do a trilogy of Phantom movies with one set in uh, well in the past, one set now, and one set in the future. Yeah. Just because of the way the Phantom, yeah, just because of the way the Phantom works, and like you could have the same uh, actor play, uh, you know, his like like uh, you know him, and then like his grandfather, and then like his son. I always thought that would be a really cool thing to do with the Phantom. And this is another because he's a generational hero. This has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) No, I mean uh, this this was just going off of Metroidvanias, but yeah, wasn't Phantom the Phantom? uh, He was a radio character first. That's what I remember. Um, I know the Phantom is uh, uh, is it comics first or is it pulp stories? I think it's comics first. Okay. Then there was another. Oh, there was another character. Was who's the Shadow. Kind of similar. It was the Shadow. The yeah, Shadow sure. knows. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the and the Phantom and the Shadow get paired up in a, a lot. Yeah. Hey, did you guys? Uh, so going back to the game, um, yeah. did you ever make it to the elemental plane and get to the flying stage where you get to fly around on the bug beasts? No, no, I didn't awesome. get that far. I, I, uh, I so beat... I thought that was a nice little breakup of gameplay. Where how you, did you get that far? Um, through the magical. Did you cheat? You halfway through? Did you cheat? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I did. Because I be- well, I didn't know you could do that because I because yeah. I got through, I got through practice mode and was like no it won't let me play the rest of the game like this so I didn't oh, know what to do. so I so I watched some gameplay for the rest of the game <laughs> but I didn't get to play it so you can put it in practice mode and you can right now go into practice mode and go ahead and go to the very bottom right part of the screen there's like this floating platform you go over there you use the door spell and what'll happen is it'll take you to the elemental plane and suddenly you've got four more stages to do and in the air stage you get to ride around on uh, a bug and fly all around the level and uh, feel like you're one of the dudes from joust i guess Uh, (laughs) i'm super surprised it allows you to do that in practice mode yeah and so you can play the rest of the game in practice. <laughs> cool. I feel like there's a lot of aspects of the game that just weren't there in the beginning because 
Um, when you finally get to yeah. use the grappling hook, and you're kind of... It makes platforming a whole lot cooler, and I felt like that could have been a huge part of the game if they put that in every level, just being able to jump and grapple, and you kind of swing left or right. I'm like, man, this is kind of neat. This is very... Uh, I, I like the weapons. I do. I like. I like the fact that you can use a hammer and a scythe and a, an yeah. axe. I love that. Love that axe. So I'm gonna argue and tell me if you guys agree with this. That perhaps you should have started with most of, if not all, the weapons, and then the only stuff you had to find was the potions, because it's really faithful to the initial idea of Shakon in, in the comics. Uh, where so Shakon is uh, is a guy who's like mastered all this magic, and he he he's almost like a, a supernatural guy himself. He's able to do so many different things, and that's why he's arrogant enough to take on death itself and see if see if he can beat him. And uh, death takes away most of his magic when he gives him his immortality. And so the idea that you have to go around and find all, all, all the magic is really consistent with that. Give me the weapons at the beginning. <laughs> oh, I know. Give me all the tools, the, the tools of death. Come on. Why would I not have them? But you do, I mean, to be fair, uh, you do, in terms of the length of the game, uh, that it would, if you could actually beat it, this game would take, <laughs> on average, about two to three hours. If you take it in that context, if you're me or Nick, it's either <laughs> right. sixty or never. You, you never. Know, you know what I? You know how <laughs> I feel, Nick. Real, real quick, you know, you know, you know how I feel about this, Nick. I feel like I'm gonna be playing Shake On forever, man. Yeah, like the first. Well, okay. So the, here's the thing: you can get the four. That was an amazing joke. Weapons yeah. within the. F- yeah, <laughs> I, I, I give it up. I give it up. Um, but within the first four levels that you play, and that's without even getting to the bosses, you do end up with the weapons. But that's learning true. the game, it kicks your butt so hard that you're just like, oh, okay. I, but uh, if I had them, uh, my weapons now. At least be easier to take out certain enemies because a lot of those weapons you can kill enemies faster than with the double sword. That's true. Yeah, I, I just yeah. feel like, again. I feel like if they would have just taken away the health, uh, you know, power, it would have just been a good game that way. Just bam. No worries, because then you would have had a lot of lot, lot, lot more. I don't know. Like I, I felt like some of those levels I could have beat with no health, but then I get to the end, I'm like, crap, I need health. And then I thought, man, I probably or, could do that without health. I'd... Could Could you imagine if this was like the Spawn SNES game where you had to do like Street Fighter moves to, to, <laughs> to do certain yes. spells? Wait, I thought that game was hard. That is oh, nothing God, that game compared is, to this. It's like. <laughs> Well, I so like this, this game better so than that game, had, Symphony of the Night had the same kind of thing. It's like, I gotta use Dark metamorph- Metamorphosis yeah. or whatever. Let me do it. Oh, Hadouken. constantly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I uh, would like this game more than that if it was just like a little fair and if the level designs were better. Yeah, there's a lot of verticality and a lot of confusion as to where you're supposed to go. Verticality is a great uh, way to put uh, what's yeah. with Nick kept messaging us where he's like, I I can't I can't stay on on platforms. I'm just dying. <laughs> I just fall I just fall to my doom constantly. What's with all the leaps of, of faith in this? Like Okay, I have a theory on this, and my theory is that this was the era of everything needs to be bigger, so the sprites are huge, the enemies are huge. Um and so the game has a slightly zoomed in feel to it. And that's to make the game, you know, in the 16-bit era, a lot of games are guilty of this, of having a bigger look 
but because of the resolution of the screen, you sacrificed more of the view that you might that probably might not have had in like a NES game or something like that. Um, so I feel like that that's the issue, and, and also the fact that you can't look up and down. I mean, that's that I was too. gonna say. I think, and it, I, I know you guys don't like this game, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy to suggest it should do something from from this, but like it should do that thing Bubsy had, right? Where like you yeah. can, can press down and and move the screen a little bit and see. And you could have even made that a power up. You could have made it some sort of like uh, looking glass thing or something. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, along with that, I also feel like uh, if if Shaycon is just standing there, I think he should have an idle animation. I think he should knock on the screen just like Bubsy. <laughs> <laughs> or he should crack it with his scythe. <laughs> yes. Okay, so here's the crazy thing. I was looking up cheats for this game um, for research, not because I need to cheat, um, just for research. Whatever. Except you cheated. So. <laughs> I did, but only after playing this game normally. And I got what? I beat the first four levels of each stage and i felt like i'd accomplished something and i was like all right i'm done uh you had you had nick and i like taking shots and putting a gun to our heads (laughs) right and then you're just over there going i'm already the elemental plane you guys (laughs) okay so if you go if you go to the cheats though i don't know what jokester put this in but they're like um if you if you want to turn shaycon into a surfer dude put in this code at the whatever screen and what and i tried it and i kept trying it and i swear to you i haven't seen any video footage of it so i don't know if this is a real cheat but there was someone saying that you could turn shaycon into a surfer and i'll believe it when i see it because <laughs> the only surfer i could think of that he would turn into is a silver surfer but that's kind of the wrong universe <laughs> but Guess it is what? in line this with like. This game is also unfair in similar ways. At least yes. not everything that you touch kills you. That's true. Like, you you kind of put yourself through torture trying to beat Silver Surfer, didn't you, Aaron? <laughs> I did. It was really. Oh, I've done it too, oh, man. Silver you Surfer. Guys, my wife loves that game, and she's really good at it. That game can coast by on the music alone. I'm sorry. <laughs> Say what you will about the It's hard. The gameplay. It's not it's, a bad it's game. Hard. It's just really hard. Yeah. Uh, and if you have a turbo controller, it's much more manageable. But shake on. Yeah, shake on. Uh, Man. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the levels are really detailed, uh, especially if you get further on. I thought it was really striking that you get to a wintry level um, and you eventually get to a section of it where it's light outside and it's the only like light part of the game. And it was just really, really neat contrast that the game is almost set at night exclusively. And then there's this one area where it's suddenly brightest day. (laughs) It's really, really really neat. Uh, It's a super atmospheric game. Yeah. Is the because I just skipped around on a video with the later levels, but is that ice level technically the last level before you get to the that end credit boss thing? Um, you know what? I don't know. I I don't know if it matters. I'd have to I'd have to look because obviously I haven't beaten it. Um, oh, I guess it wouldn't. Like, I, what, what am I talking about? Matter. I guess you could still do it in any order, couldn't you? Yeah, and then I think it takes you to an area where you fight off 
fight a, a final boss. Uh, but of course, when you beat the game, you think it's the end. Um, it's one of those tricks, sort of like what X-Men did, except in this game, there's an hourglass. And if you let it sit there for about, I think it's 90 seconds, it just says, not the end. And it takes you to this really crazy boss that's like super hard to beat. <laughs> but I think the true ending is pretty fascinating that they, uh, as, in terms of adaptations of source material, this game, I think, really takes the cake. And they, I think they did a great job as far as adapting the source material into an actual game. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. one thing that's kind of that's kind of weird about it, and I like, and I, I was I was hoping that, and again, I didn't actually get to play this because I didn't cheat. But when you, uh, I, I assume that when you got to the end, it would do the thing that that uh, that initial comic does, where it's like, uh, oh, shake on, you're going to be doing this forever because you didn't realize that there's all these, uh, you know, other things from other worlds that you that you'd have to beat, um, you know, other uh, uh, evils. The thing is, uh, he's not just on Earth. He's walking around on like this cosmic plane, so he should be a little bit less surprised by that because he's got like all these <laughs> planets in the background. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> I should have known. Yeah. I okay. So earlier Genesis games, um, you know, even around ninety one, ninety two. Um, really didn't show off everything i honestly thought this game looked better than x-men did in some ways i thought sure. the parallax scrolling in the background was really nice uh, and just some of the detail like you get to this lava stage and there's literally a dragon sitting on the uh what looks like the moon in the background or the the sun he's just kind of chilling on it uh, and it's just I think it's a cool-looking game for all all the faults and, and things you can knock about this game. Just if you see it in screenshots or if you get to play it, uh, it is really well done artistically. I think. I just wonder too. Like this is a very odd kind of thought, but if this game were a little bit more accessible, a little easier, do you think it would have been more popular and that comic could have gotten much more? recognition if, if those steps were in well, I was going to ask I was going to ask Aaron I was going to ask Aaron or either of you guys uh, if you knew how well this game sold ooh good question I mean it must have sold well enough for them to want to make a sequel to it on Dreamcast because that's making me because it seemed like from everything I read maybe it maybe it sold okay somehow I I never heard of it but like I I guess I guess my answer uh, Nick is I'm not sure it would have mattered and I wonder if it would have sold any better if it was easier I don't know I probably would have written yeah, it yeah there's not really <laughs> but I don't know if there's any hard hard data on that uh, it's kind of I've, I've googled it I can't find anything but. I don't know. I was just a thought because I'm like, man, could could they have helped this guy? Could they have <laughs> helped him sell yeah. more comics by making this a little bit more accessible? And... The the thing is, he should have he should have worked at Image. Uh, he really ha should have had that book at Image, or, or well, a book at Image, because it would have just been Spawn again. But then Image was publishing a bunch of stuff that was kind of just Spawn, but not. Uh, but Image was where you went. Uh, you, you know, in the early nineties, in the early nineties, of course. 
uh, to sell your independent stuff and get the continue to keep the rights to it. So if you leave Image, and this is still true to this day, um, you still have the rights to your material. Uh, they're, they're, for lack of a better way to put it, more of a of a distributor, really. Uh, like they, they don't. It's not Marvel and DC. They don't own your stuff after that. Yeah, and uh, that's that's where he should have gotten to gotten to go. He was talented enough. Yeah. I wonder why he he. You know, he, he got enough acclaim to be picked up by Sega and have a game made after his character. It makes me wonder why um, maybe things just got hard or why he chose to keep being an independent. And some people just don't lose that spirit. They find that they'd rather work without the rules of the big guys and keep yeah. doing what they love. But again, I mean, there, that video there were alternatives. There were, pla- there, there, were, there were places you could go and still yeah. kind of have your cake and eat it too. Like everything I've read about him, I get the sense that he expected he would be bigger and he was waiting for somebody to knock on his door and they never did. Is, yeah. the sen- is the sense I get. I don't know if I'm right about that. And obviously he liked being independent, but like, again, that's what Image was for. I don't know how he didn't break in more than he did. You, you know, it's weird. There's a weird parallel I'm finding between this game and uh, another. It was a comic strip. So we covered a game called Normie's Beach Babel Rama, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> where it was like, how did this get turned into a video game? Um, and yeah, it was another one of those stories where it was like the the guy who was illustrating the comic just happened to have some sweet video game connections. And, you know, he'd been doing this local comic strip that only anyone in L.A. knew about. And it was really not well known any, anywhere else. But yet it got turned into a video game. It just strikes me that, you know, in the 80s and, and 90s, it seems like video games is sort of you, you never know <laughs> what could get turned into a video game, even if it was a property no one had actually heard of. You could find it on the store shelves one day and be like, oh, I guess I could give this a shot. Yeah, and with the smaller, you know, way the studios were, they were probably looking for good ideas. They probably had games thought of, but I don't know, you know, I'm not a story writer. How do I get this? And they probably were able to find things like that and, and make it happen. You get, you kind of wonder where some of these crazy stories came from anyways. Like, it, was it actually the game developer or was it some guy they hired to... Okay, pitch them some ideas of the story, but you know n- now you have full-on story writers and these game developer, uh, you know, <laughs> companies. So it's a little different. Yeah, they don't have to rely as much on comic book adaptations to create engaging stories, and and now people are you know wanting to be the next Mario or Halo or or whatever you know big video game franchise instead of necessarily okay, we've got to grab something from comic book worlds or cartoons. Yeah. And, and you think about someone like Amy Henning, who's been, like, traded between companies. I don't say traded, but, you know, she was big on Naughty Dog. You know, after Na- Michael Dog Jordan and, in the Windy City. Yeah, that, that was her big claim to fame. <laughs> that was her you big, uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, big breakthrough. She's not even a, a game you know, designer. She's the, the director and the writer, and comes up with the ideas. And it's just kind of—I don't think he had that back. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, but I just don't remember reading a lot about that. He had a game designer, and then he usually had something to base out off of. So, well, when you think about how generic a lot of a lot of titles and ideas were back then, and all those attempts at mascots that failed, and like it's it's not it's not surprising if there was you know some desperation 
for like like a really unique looking character and also it was the wild west it was an unproven medium yeah yeah so perfect example on the super nintendo there was a game (laughs) that came out that was based on i think it only made it to the pilot stage (laughs) and it was an nbc cartoon or something like that and the rest of the season i don't even think came out and they went ahead and made the game anyways and that was family dog and no one i remember family dog um yeah well it it was not something that maybe it wasn't just a pilot but it wasn't something that lasted very long yeah uh, for you to go, oh yeah, they should make a video game out of that, or <laughs> or widget, or there's just like these weird, obscure things where it's just like, oh well, let's make a game out of that and see what happens. That's like the um, history of, I, of Mario Brothers too. Like that was a game that wasn't even built for Mario, and they're like, oh, we need a game for Mario too, so we can hurry up and get some more money. <laughs> so it's like, well, let's take this. What was it called? Like Doki Doki Panic or something? They took from another, you know, another game that was yeah, just- yeah, something something else that Nintendo had made. And yeah, like, oh, yeah. let's repurpose this into a Mario game. Yep. Yeah, there's all sorts of crazy stories um, where, you know, in, in, intellectual properties are created whole cloth or borrowed, and uh, it's just sort of the, the fabric of video games in general. So it's it's, it's neat that uh, Shaykhan, some somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, do you think we've beat that to death? Probably go on to the next segment here. Sure, unless you have anything uh, anything special to say about any of the bosses or the, the really weird... Oh, I made it to one. ...final boss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I beat the spider guy. Girl, whatever it was. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, jump over to the next segment, which is our retrofitted achievements. Which um, I've got, how many do I got this time? Four. And I actually posted the first one on the page. I took a video of myself playing it on the computer and put our little logo and asked everyone to guess uh, what this was. And sadly enough, Michael Kelso actually guessed it right. <laughs> but it, uh, I called this uh, achievement Staying Alive. And that's uh, having uh, Jaycon, you, you hold the attack button, you go diagonal, down to diagonal, up and right. And it looks like he's doing the uh, disco dance from, you know, uh, Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> I thought he was doing Thriller. Oh, <laughs> It was close. So. All right. So how about you guys? What you got? I got three more, but uh, go around the circle. I've got, I think I've got four. I'll, I'll go with four. And for me, my first one is, uh, is it the shoes? And that's doing the, <laughs> the infinite jump. <laughs> nice NBA jam throwback. Here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, how about you, Cap? Um, I had one for the infinite jump too. Oh, I called it uh, take the red pill because it's like you realize you're in the matrix and you can break <laughs> the laws of physics. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, as soon as I discovered that, it felt like uh, it honestly felt like Metroid when you find out that you could infinitely lay bombs to get to a higher area. It sort of cheesed the game a little bit than you normally could. Love it. Uh, so my next one is I would walk 500 miles, and that's uh, making it through that incredibly long hallway uh, in the Spider Queen level. 
Oh, yeah. There's some areas I feel like you, you couldn't do uh, a run hitting, of this game without getting hit. Yeah, and I thought I was hitting, like, the uh, reverse button or something on my emulator. I'm going to that level. I'm like, wait a minute. How long is this going to take yeah. to get through? So many cheap hits, and you go along there, and there's those spiders or whatever, and you're after a while, you're like, oh, okay, every three seconds, I'm going to hit one. <laughs> yeah. You got another one, Aaron? Muy bueno. Yeah, I do. Actually, the second one I have is... Uh, uh, it's good, and that's uh, raising your two swords up in the air, uh, kind of, what, what? <laughs> kind of like semaphore flags, like, or like like a field goal. He's literally directing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's either like a field goal. It does goal look like he's directing like like he, a plane or something. Yeah. It looks like he's directing uh, air traffic. <laughs> air traffic controller. <laughs> yes. Right, how about you, Cap? You got another one? Did either of you guys watch Gargoyles when you were kids? A little bit, yeah. Well, I named one of my achievements Return of Demona because the female gargoyles in this look exactly like her. Huh. I didn't like the that. female evil gargoyle from uh, Gargoyles, who is voiced by Marina Sirtis from Star Trek. It, like, like it's uncanny the resemblance. It's like exactly the same design. Oh wow. I'm googling it. I'm, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's weird. I do remember her now. And that shows later. And there's no way they based it on this. But, uh, you know, similar imagery, certainly. Oh, they have a Funko yeah, Pop of Demona. That. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they did a Gargoyles line for them. That's awesome. All and right. that's on Disney Plus now. I'm, I'm going back through it. Oh, that's a good one to check out. I need to look at Disney Plus more. Oh, do it, man. Yeah. It's great. That's awesome. Wow, you are actually right. Wow. Yeah, she's yeah, isn't that crazy? It looks like it could have been a sprite for a gargoyle game of that character. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, my next one, if you guys haven't caught the theme, is more music. Uh, this one's called Go Ahead and Jump, and that's uh, getting the uh, jump power up so you can do the super high jump. Uh, my next one is It's the End of the World as We Know It, and that's beating the game with the true ending. <laughs> I totally almost wrote exactly that. Uh, and not because... <laughs> Yeah, and not cheating like uh, your dear co-host. If you beat this game without cheating, I think you deserve like money or something. <laughs> I think it's doable, but oh boy, uh, you're gonna have to memorize these levels oh, yeah. to to get through them. All right, you have any more uh, cap? I'm an overachiever, so I I wrote way too many of these, but yeah, I have a few more. <laughs> It's like Rob Luther, he's coming. I got 30. <laughs> there's a, I mean, there's enough stuff in this game. It was oh, pretty yeah. easy to come up with them. I, I, I thought it was kind of obligatory. You got to have a hammer time. Hammer time. There's no way around it. You got you to have that. You got your hammer. And all the music. My last one's actually another song. It's called uh, Rolling Down the River. That's uh, rolling through the level as much as you can. Doing the little uh, crouch roll. Oh, nice. And that's the last one I got. So. Um, my next one is Hammer of the Gods, and that's uh, picking up the hammer. So, for when the hourglass runs out in a level, I wrote, these are the days of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> like Sam's yeah. from the hourglass. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Now, some people might not get that, and if you don't get that, then 
I had that same thought as I wrote it, and then I remembered mm. that Aaron Hickman was here, so I didn't care. I don't worry That's about right. references when I've got <laughs> no, Aaron. No, because I remember, I think it was like my first kid was about to be born. I watched a whole lot of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> that was like one of I remember doing that in the summertime memories. when I was in high school. Yes. I'd, w- I'd wake up right around noon, and my mom would be watching that show, and I'd just sit down because I'm just dead tired. I mean, Hey, wrestling was already a soap opera, so yeah, that's a good. logical I choice. I don't actually sat through any of those, but my stepmom was really big in it. So, so I saw the intros, too. Those like, like Sands from the Hourglass. That always stuck <laughs> yes. with me. Everyone's coming back to life. I'm like, this is like sci-fi. This is great. <laughs> yeah, how are these not considered genre shows? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Aaron, do you have any more? Yeah, I had one more. And uh, I think the last one was... Uh, Dr. Claw. And that's uh you get captured by the claw creature in Mud World who just like shoots you all the way <laughs> across the level. Like Inspector cool Gadget, animation. Dr. Claw. <laughs> yes. Dr. Claw. Yeah. Well, I'll just mention a couple others. Uh there's this weird which level is it? Uh there, there's there's this one that I had a really hard time getting through was the was the second uh uh, level of fire where there's this yeah. secret passageway that do you guys do, do you guys remember that we're like i, I had to go oh, find you a, have to use the hammer that. right well i thought you had to use the hammer but i couldn't figure out where to use it and then i went and looked at a playthrough and somebody just went along a wall and found a secret like in you know some sonic levels except they don't require you to do that to finish a level and uh, and I and I and I went through that and I found the exit and like <laughs> anyway so I wrote uh, to the bat poles. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there are uh, some hidden areas where you go through a seemingly visible wall to get somewhere. Yeah, yeah there's that there's that one on the ceiling uh, where you're when you're traversing the uh, the corpses. Do you remember that? Yeah. I also had to look at a. That was the one, Nick. You asked me earlier if I had to look, look up anything. That was the other one. I could not figure out how to get through that ceiling. How did you end up getting... Is It the, It was like the second area of that... Uh, I think it was like the water area or something like that. Yeah. Where it's just like, okay, how do I get up here? Yeah, what, I couldn't figure out how to get up going? there. You just go to the... To the far left, there's a hole. But it's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know how anybody's supposed to know them. It kind of had, I mean, I'm not a big Zelda guy, but it kind of had that Zelda thing where there's certain bits that you're just not going to figure out unless you read something. You read it or it's trial and error, truly. And then the last one I had was for doing that uh, spin attack thing with your swords. Uh, Shaykhan, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I had to use the uh, guide for it, and this was probably just my stupidity. There was a door, and I'm like, how do I get through this thing? And then the, I was on the guide, and I was like, just use your axe and bust the door down. But the funny thing was, when I used the axe, like, I didn't even see the door move. I'm like, am I even doing anything? You couldn't yet? tell. You hit it eight times yeah. before it's clearly doing anything. I'm like, how would have I ever figured that out on my own? Like, I just, I don't know. I was like, maybe I'm just stupid, but I don't think I would have ever figured that out without looking it up. And there's... There's an alarming lack of hay in this game, yet they give you a scythe. I'm, I'm <laughs> highly confused. <laughs> the scythe, as it turns out, is just for spider kinda, webs. Yeah, that yeah. seems kind of overkill for a spider web. Uh, I'll go with it. Like I, <laughs> I can imagine someone uh, dressing up as this guy for Halloween. He's, oh, yeah. He's got the goods. 
All right, cool. Well, let's uh, go and ask the big question here. Is Chacon a gym? Is this game of Genesis gym? Is it good or is it garbage? And I didn't find, like, Moby Games doesn't didn't have that... Uh, that Moby rank, uh, but I did find a very notable review, and this is just the headline. Very, very uh, brief headline. This came from uh, EGM, Electronic Gaming Monthly, back in February of 93, and they gave it a 75 out of 100, which is a pretty decent score, and the headline just says, if you are a good player, make this your game. That's all the headline said. So there you go. Uh, so we did ask the listeners what they thought about this game, uh, whether they thought it was a good, whether it was a gym, whether it was garbage. Uh, and you heard from one person, right? One person. We actually, it was a very low comment. We only had uh, six comments this time. Usually get a little bit more than uh, that. I'm surprised you got that many, yeah, though. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so our uh, first comment comes from our good buddy, Andrew Coed. He says, I'm going to say good. I love the art style and the gameplay is fun. Uh, the hub world idea is interesting, but the game is hard as nails. And I never really knew where to go. <laughs> kind of always wandered from place to place. Never seemed to make progress. And he says he haven't played it in years. Uh, Tyler Jones says, uh, let's go. My Patreon pick. So, yeah, that's right. Tyler picked this for Patreon. Uh, this game I is... I was wondering if you landed on this. Yeah. We, well, we're so behind on our Patreon picks. I had to send Aaron, like, a spreadsheet. Of, <laughs> we got to cover these games soon because we don't want to lose all these Patreons <laughs> or these patrons. But uh, Tyler says, uh, this game is such an odd one. But I remember playing it with my older brother. And although it creeped me out, uh, we per- persevered through it and beat it countless times. Lots of replay value due to the difficulty. So... And he didn't really answer. Uh, Sean Robinson uh, commented, says, but is it Jim good or garbage? And Tyler just posted a gif of a of a kid giving thumbs up. <laughs> so uh, Sean Robinson says, uh, only in recent times was I made aware of the fact that a Shakon game was based on a comic book. Back in the day, I just knew that Shakon was advertised a lot in Sega Visions magazine, other video game magazines, and the promotional materials such as catalogs and posters that Sega included with his games during the early 90s. Uh, from what I can remember of playing Chick on the Forever Man, it was a gem on the Sega Game Gear. However, based upon what I've seen and what little I've played of the Sega Genesis game, that one is merely good. I thought the Game Gear's Chick on was simpler. I keep saying that wrong every time I say it. <laughs> I thought the Game Gear's Chick on was simpler in <laughs> difficulty and less confusing in its visual design and had levels that were easier to understand and navigate compared to the Chick on for Genesis. Perhaps my recollections of the Game Gear game are through rose-tinted glasses, though, giving a bias thanks to going mostly by feelings associated with old memories. The Genesis one also loses points for its sound design, which can be quite the... Oh gosh, he's saying a word I can't pronounce, sorry, Sean. <laughs> C-A-C-O-P-H-O-N-Y. Catacophony. At Catacophony. Why can't I say that word? That's sad. I'm, I'm... Uh, maybe a, a chicophony? A chicophony? A chicophony? It's a chicophony. Chicophony! I... I I honestly should have just glazed over that and not felt so stupid now. <laughs> All that being said, the character's design... No, I'm glad you stopped, because otherwise we wouldn't have gotten yet another Shake-On fun. Shake-On fun. Right. Oh, English is hard. <laughs> he, he wraps We're it... hard, brain dumb. <laughs> so Sean wraps it up saying, All that being said, the character's designs, the game's mood, and the overall atmosphere for both were excellent and stood in stark contra- uh, contrast with the bright and friendly Nintendo games at the time. Uh, what else he say? Yep. So that's it for that. And Patrick Thompson says, I had this game. Super cool artwork, but thought the game was no good. Wanting to try it again. All right. So we got some kind of mixed reviews from the listeners. They kind of, I'd say they're in the middle. And honestly, that's kind of where I am. Um, at first, I kind of wanted to call this game garbage. 
until I read the manual, uh, until I tried practice mode, and then I started playing it. Like, once I turned on practice mode and kind of got the concept of the game, I had a good few, I'd say a good three or four hours on this game and really kind of enjoyed it. Um, I'll probably play this again because I, I kind of want to get into it a little deeper. Um, I Hopefully, I'll get that new comic book I just ordered off that website from the 90s. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe it'll uh, inspire me to play the game some more, but it's a... Uh, it's definitely not awful. Uh, I would kind of borderline it between good and garbage. Uh, it's playable. Um, and like I mentioned, if you guys haven't played this yet, please start on practice mode. You'll enjoy it a lot more. Uh, and, and know that each one of the levels has multiple tiers of it. Um, that way you know exactly that you're not just beating that section of it. But uh, read the manual. Uh, do some research on it. But uh, I would say this is just good. There, there's some things keeping it from being uh, a very good. I know we don't have that rating here, but... The, just some of the hit detection, like I mentioned, not the hit detection, but just the feedback you get from it. Um, the platforming just drove me nuts. I was constantly falling, a lot of unfair. There was one area in particular where you would drop down and there was just no way of not getting hit. I'm like, that's completely unfair. Um, but overall, game was okay. I, I would just call it just good. So, What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, for me, um, I think it's just good. I don't, I don't think it's garbage. Um, I think there's too much... Uh, there, there was a lo- lot of love put into this game to adapt this comic book character. Um, I think they did nail the vibe. I, I kind of wish the animation... I didn't talk about this earlier, but I wish the animation was smoother and not quite so herky-jerky. Um, I feel like <laughs> he had a lot of cool-looking enemies in the game, but uh, with like one or two frames of animation at the most... Uh, so the things are kind of a little bit stiff in the game, but there are a lot of redeemable aspects. I do think the weapon system and the spell spell crafting was was really well done. Um, like I said, the, the graphics themselves did pop out, and I thought the music overall was solid, um, if not the sound effects. And, you know, this was new romantic production, so you, you would hear their work in a lot of other sega games at the time uh you know like your green dog and your uh spider-man so on and so forth i think the game also suffers from an american design ethos which was like the the verticality problem again or having like these large sprawling levels uh that really were uh you know hunt hunt for the item type deal instead of a natural progression and a lot of japanese games the the game will guide you naturally to a certain point or you'd have these set pieces this game doesn't really have normal set pieces or, or you know big events in the game it's just kind of there but that said what what makes it good and solid to me are the designs and the cool things like, oh, you thought you beat the game. Here's four more <laughs> levels. Oh, you beat those levels. Here's a, you know, a secret final boss. I thought that was a, a nice touch, and I think the story's story's great. Uh, I think they adapted it well. So yeah, I'll go with just good. And there's one other person. <laughs> Lead way in. I I feel like when I was a kid, if I could have figured out how to make any progress in this, I would have loved this game. Yeah. 
and and I feel like I was kind of looking for something like this when I was younger, uh, because like we were talking about earlier, so many 16-bit games were real bright and cheery, and I love that stuff. But and I was never a big horror fan or anything, but there's always been a side of me that's liked some more you know dark and broody type stuff, uh, you know, kind of kind of the Buffy Angel quality of of it all. And it would have been really nice to have more games like this. And when you're like you know, the age I would have been when this came out, 8, 9, I might have, you know, not found it until later. You know, you're 10 or 11, you're playing a game like this, and it makes you feel more more adult, more grown up, more like a thing that you're not really, you know, supposed to be playing. That was always uh, kind of a fun feeling. I had a friend that introduced me to Spawn when I was around 10 or 11, which was way too young to be reading that, uh, <laughs> who who I would have would have eaten this up, and he, he would have a birthday party every year where we would, we would uh, play... Uh, I, th- I think I think we played Genesis games at his place. That's where I was introduced to Mickey Mania and uh, Maximum Carnage and games like that. And uh, we would have played this all night long. Uh, like it would have been um, it would have been really cool to have sampled this when I was a kid. Uh, I have this really weird relationship with this now. Like I feel like I wouldn't have played this for more than twenty minutes if we weren't doing a show and I felt like I needed to spend more time with it. Uh, and then, like, like Nick was saying, like after you know I did some practice mode and was actually playing it for a while, uh, I got I got really interested in it and I wanted to get good at it. And like I like that meta component of this is supposed to drive you crazy and make you feel like you're going to be playing this game forever because that's that's how Shakeon feels. And it takes that too far. And yet because of all that and because it's just playable enough, I, I gotta beat this game. I gotta figure out how to beat it. I'm gonna keep working on this. Like I really, I really want to get through it. It's driving me insane, and I really want, I really want to get through it. Uh, but the the production design is uh, is beautiful. There was not enough uh, kind of Greek mythology like uh, underworld imagery stuff uh, during this period, and that stuff all looks great and nails it. This is like the closest to like a Dante's Inferno type game that you ever had in in that in that era i mean i guess you had uh you know castlevania and things but this is borrowing even a lot more from uh greek mythology i think in its imagery than from you know later later stuff from you know dracula and other later horror things um i had a couple of criticisms that i didn't get to mention earlier that i wanted to tack on here real quick if i can uh i don't think anybody brought this up why is the jump button used to enter doors yeah, that's true. That oh, sucked. yeah, that it was took me a like a, It took me a good minute to quirk. figure that out. <laughs> that's obnoxious too, because there's that level where you have to you have to teleport between different doors, and there would be an enemy right at the door, and I would try to jump, but I would just go back through the freaking door. <laughs> that was really irritating. And the other thing is, I uh, why does the music of a level start playing before the level has completely loaded? <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah, that that could be a plus or a minus. I thought it was interesting that the game sort of fades in the level and it takes a little bit. <laughs> It'd be cool if it faded in. It played like a mistake. And I don't know if it is, but there's at least a couple where it seemed like there was an enemy that was like moving toward me that was a lot closer than it should have been because the level loaded late. And I don't know if that's true, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. 
But anyway, I I, I have to go just good. I, I I think with um you know some more some more time because uh, because the, the guys that made this in that article that uh, Aaron was talking about were lamenting that they wished they had had more time on it and that it wasn't as polished as they would have liked it to have been. I think some of the things that we complained about would have been fixed. I think if they had another six months, uh, Nick, you absolutely would have had sound effects for the hit detection uh, and stuff yeah. like that. That seems like a thing that you didn't get just because they rushed it. True. So I have to I have to say good. Just good. I wish it was a gem. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's it's close. I think yeah, with a little more polish, it could have gotten there, and it, it's certainly better than like when when you and I Cap played a Spider-Man animated series game, or it was, I think it was just called Spider-Man the game. Um, I I enjoyed this more than playing that. Well, that game that was one. nigh broken. Yeah, compared to this. Sweet. Well, I guess we can yeah, lay, absolutely we can lay the gavel down right now, and we'll call Chick on for the Genesis. Just good. And uh, again, we're skipping over the ranking because Aaron and I need to do a special show for that. That'll be fun, anyways. Kind of. Well, I think we went went four or five episodes now without ranking. We'll have to figure it out. Pull the website up and yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you and Landon did one. It was the very first show I was never a part of. Uh, so that was a uh, that was kind of sad, but it was good. You all get some content and. I was in an awful. That was my, uh, yeah, it was my failed attempt at kicking you off the show. It didn't, <laughs> didn't stick. I'm, I'm back, guys. I'm back. <laughs> so, but uh, we definitely appreciate you, Cat, being here. We'll uh, be putting your YouTube link in the show notes uh, if you're cool with that. That way, everyone yeah, can thanks, go man. check out what you're doing. Some awesome stuff out there. Um, loving uh, his Skype picture up here of uh, Lord Zed from uh, Power Rangers. So that's awesome. Ah, Lord Zed. He's, he's, <laughs> he's one of my favorite villains of all time. <laughs> so cool looking. So I was, uh, it was kind of cool to see that. Put a big smile on my face uh, when we called in together. So, uh, but yeah, guys, go check us out. Uh, check out our Patreon. We're back. Um, we're not begging for, you know, patrons or anything, but we do appreciate everyone who's out there, um, doing that. So patreon.com slash bit Uh, we do about, uh, one show a month and then we have, uh, you'll get, you'll get the Genesis gems and the two dudes in an S podcast a week early with no ads. Uh, if you donate, I think it's at least $2 a month. Uh, so you'll have that. Uh, and then a week later, of course, you'll get the Genesis gems episode with ads, uh, from anchor.com or anchor.fm. So we have that going on for us and we appreciate everyone who's been donating and who actually stuck around. I was real shocked when we, uh, launched back up and there's still people who are still donating to us. So really appreciate that guys. That, that means a lot because we just weren't giving you all the content like we uh, should have been. So appreciate you sticking with us and, uh, you guys have anything to add before we close out the show? Um, no, I think I'm good. Oh, I thank guess you guys for having uh, me again. This was absolutely. really fun. Uh, and, and, for, and for a thing I knew nothing about, it was really nice of you guys to bring me on. I think it's just going to be default anytime we cover anything to do with a comic book. We're just going to invite you on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm happy to do it. I, and, I got uh, it. And, 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 and I'm, yeah. I'm sorry if this is too forward, but if it's possible, I really want to do Comic Zone. Oh, oh yeah. that's that's definite. Yeah. We almost covered that game like six times before Aaron was on the show, like myself and Rob. I can't <laughs> play it. I mean, I, I suck eggs at that game, but I'd really like to be on for that. Absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's an amazing game. Sketch Turner. After playing this game, you'll be an expert at that game. <laughs> oh, like. and also, Sketch Turner is in my Mugen game that I made. <laughs> he's a fighter. Yes. He's, awesome. al- he's already got fighting game moves. I mean, he's... He's a shoo-in. Like and a there's a level that, that there's an arena that somebody made that I put in my game that's based on Comic Zone where you can go between panels in, in the arena oh, where you're fighting. Sweet. It's really cool. That's a game that I wish they would try to do again, but man, we'll see. All right, guys. Well, with that, we appreciate it, and we will catch you all later. 
Later, guys. Bye.